Come on, lift up your voice and give God thanks and praise. Bless his holy and majestic name. Glory to God. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. This is not a funeral. Bless his holy and majestic name. Oh, Lord God, we give you thanks and praise. Come on, lift up holy hands and magnify his holy and majestic name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name, O oh Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Create a fire on the inside of us that will never burn out, O oh Lord God. Thank you, Father God, that the love of God will be strong on the inside of us. It will not go crawled in these last days. Blessed be your holy name, O oh Lord. Glory and honor be unto thee, O oh Father. Father, we give you thanks, O oh Lord God, as we lift our hands again. We bless and honor you. We magnify you and give you thanks and praise for you are good, O oh Lord, and you are good all the time. And your mercy endures forever. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for this day in which you have created. We will rejoice, be glad, and be grateful for this day, O oh Lord God. I thank you, O oh Lord, for this time of singing, this time of praise. Pray, O oh Lord God, that our hearts are now softened by the Holy Spirit to receive the engrafted word of God. Help us to minister this morning with accuracy and detail. Thank you, Father God, for this day. Fill us with the knowledge of your will on today so that we might find ourselves in a position to receive our full reward when we stand before you. We thank you, O Lord God, for this day. I thank you for every person that is here. I speak the peace of God into their household. I speak the peace of God into their week. It will be the best week that they have ever had in their lives. And we declare nothing missing and broken in our lives. And we bless and honor you for this. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. One more shout unto the Lord if you believe that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Lionheart Church. Glad to see you this morning. Go ahead and give someone a high five or a hug this morning as you're seated. Tell them you're glad to see them. Hallelujah. see y'all out on this morning. Lots of crazy things going on, but you got to keep on going. You know, the uh, as I keep saying, the enemy has set his sights on us. And so, uh, you know, you have to learn, as they say, take a licking and keep on ticking. I wonder who created that quote, by the way. That doesn't sound like a, that sounds like a farmer, but I don't know. So, so hey, you all, we are, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know what's going to happen this morning in regards to which way that we kind of go. Um, I, uh, I've been in the midst of trying to, my wife and I have been in the midst of just, you know, we re-engage, we, we disengaged for the purpose of re-engaging. Somebody hit that sound for me, please. Um, we disengaged for the purpose of re-engaging, so we're working on some things. Uh, we'll be doing some modifications, ripping up carpet creating a new children's church, all those different type of things. We are in the midst of an issue. The, the owners of the building, they, uh, I don't know how much I think, they spent $100,000 on a brand new roof. And uh, at this point, it has about 30 leaks. 
And so you know how it is when you pay for something, you know, how many of you know, if you want new service, they answer the phone immediately. <laughs> but if you need service to be corrected, you might be on the phone for about three or four hours and then you're gonna sit through the ringer. It's very unfortunate with insurance companies, they take all of this money from you and then when you get in an accident, you have to hire a lawyer to get your, it's unbelievable the wickedness in this planet. But either way, so we're working through some things, um, creating these platforms to be able to operate fully in revival. Um, um, and so lots of different platforms, you know, from podcasting to, uh, I call it a Bible school, but it, it won't be like necessarily like a Bible school. It'll be more of a ministry school for those that are called to ministry and business. But even if, but here's the very interesting thing. There is no such thing as someone that is not in ministry or business. Your first ministry is your family. And it's the most important. And it represents Jesus and the church. And so you have to run your home like a ministry. You have to run your home like a business. But, um, but then there are higher things to that. That's why even when it comes to someone that's called like me, the Bible says that your first ministry is at home. You know, have you ministered to your wife? <laughs> are your kids in jail or are they serving the Lord? You know what I'm saying? It goes through all this list. It says a, it says a bishop, pastor, reverend, whichever name you want to use. These are all of the qualifications. There is no separate standard for pastors and congregation members. There is no separate standard. It's just that in order for you to operate in ministry and in some levels of business, you already have to meet the standard that is for everyone. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Okay, so, so, so you know, we're really disengaging to kind of re-engage you know, we started putting together now the house churches and assigning people. So we'll get to you. Don't worry. We haven't forgotten. You know, so it's the house church, um, street evangelism, outreach, going back to the days of Acts and the disciples. So I had to do a hard pull because people don't like to change. They generally don't. And naturally, that's just human nature. How I many you know you want to be comfortable? You know, like my friend said, you're not trying to roll down the windows anymore. Give me something I can push and the window just comes down. You know, we like we like comfort, but unfortunately... Um, we are in a war, and uh, there is not a whole lot of comfort in war. So, so as you know, we do a 12-month pillar system, and my wife is going to come up in a moment. We're going to minister together, and um, and uh, um, sorry, a lot of things running through my head. Yeah, a lot of things running through my head. We're going to minister together, and so this month is dedicated to the Word. You know, we do a 12-pillar system. Um, each month we do a particular topic and we try to stick to that topic in that particular month. And so, um, and so, uh, so I really felt strongly. I tried to get out of one. I had no, I, I had no plans on doing relationships and stuff. And so apparently the Holy Spirit wants us to dedicate, dedicate the entire month on what the word of God says about relationships. And what's very interesting is the Lord is going to have me do something I've never done before. We're going to spend the entire month talking about what the word says about how to find godly relationships, particularly in the area of a single woman finding a man and a single man finding a woman. <laughs> I had binary codes in my mind, so I had to make sure I said things correctly. You know what I mean? <sighs> and, so, uh, and so that's going to be very important. And then we're going to throw in a little bit of of, of about what the word says about gifting. This is a very, very gifted church. You know, we do prophetic stuff. We do word of knowledge. I mean, all of the gifts of the spirit. You know, we got deliverance sessions going on as we speak. 
Um, and so we do all of those things. Unfortunately, most churches have, we have a lot of unbelieving believers today where they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in what Jesus said. And, and this doctrine that is in some denominations where what you saw Jesus and the apostles walk out, um, what you saw them walk in, that, that now, oh, let me keep this mic up, that now, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> that now that died out with the apostles. So casting out demons died out, laying on of hands died out. And I'm like, where is this at in the Bible? This is nowhere in the Bible. You know, it's Jesus the same yesterday and today. So as, but the danger part is, is that as, us, as we go fully in revival and begin to release people to do the work of the ministry, whether it be in the field, whether it be outreach, whether it be deliverance, whether it be home churches, there are many dangers associated with this. And most people have not been this far. And so uh, religion only can take you so far. And most people have been a part of religion and not a kingdom of God ministry. So, you know, and the thing is, is that it's a lot hitting me because it's not just locally here in our Riverdale location, but it's, you know, there are people that are asking us to help them. I'm helping pastors. It's a lot. So they are dangerous with power. There's danger. There's a lot of danger with gifting. There's a lot of danger with uh, the gifts of the spirit, all of those. <clears throat> and so a lot of people start out right. No one starts on the journey with a plan to never make it to the end. Everyone believes that they can make it to the end, but just because you can just because you believe you can make it to the end, doesn't mean you'll make it to the end. You get to the end by following instructions. And so, just remember that you know, you know, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression that I'm I'm against gifting. I'm not. It's just that it has to be put in its place. Um, and so, so we're gonna do. I'm gonna do that for about ten minutes, and then my wife and I are going. Uh, my wife and I are going to come up. My wife is going to come up, and then the rock and roll show will begin. Don't know what she or I are going to say. First Peter 1.24, as the scripture says, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So I'm just going to go over these because every week I'll do a little commercial. <laughs> or trailer for the word. Um, but it says the word of the Lord will last forever. Isaiah 48, or 40 verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. As you know, I teach you don't build anything on one scripture. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. So the devil is going to keep you out of that book because you think it's a book. God calls it something else. It says that book that is sitting on your countertop or in your phone, it is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Everyone say amen. amen. He's giving you the authority of the word because the further you go into the ocean, the more you got to trust the instructions. The further you go into outer space, the more you got to trust the blueprint. Okay, you can't get caught up in the discovery over there. The blueprint said, the blueprint said, when you are in outer space, if you see any new discoveries, leave them alone. You're in outer space with Star Trek. 
and, and Star Wars, and you see a new discovery. I feel, the Bible did not say, leave it alone unless you feel. You understand what I'm saying? The word of God is the ultimate safety net when you walk in, when you walk in power. Because you're walking in power blind. We're fighting Satan blind. We're fighting darkness blind. And we don't know everything that exists in the invisible realm. And so, so you'll run into something. And when you start walking in power and the gifts of the spirit, you'll hear something, but it didn't come from the Lord. You'll see something, but it didn't come from heaven. You understand what I'm saying? You'll do deliverance and the devil will quote scripture, but he misquoted it. So the word is a safety net. Otherwise, next thing you know, this is how pastors fall. This is how people fall. This is why you have shooting stars. There are a couple of individuals right now that they are shooting stars in ministry. Everyone is following them on social media, but on the inside, I know that they're going to fall very soon. You can feel it. Just because something sounds good doesn't mean it is good. Just because something tastes good. I had McDonald's the other day. I said, I think I need to trip. Take a trip down memory lane. She said, no, I did it. I did it. My wife just found out I did it. She didn't know I had done it. But they, I don't know if they changed that, but y'all, they have videos on YouTube of you setting the hamburger on the table, and you come back three years later, and, and the hamburger is still on the table. You know, I like to drink soda. <laughs> Karen Prude's mama's like, oh, that is the devil right there. I like drinking soda, okay? I don't drink it a lot, okay? But, but, so I do drink it when I have a taste for it. But, y'all, back in the day, how many know, brothers, we used to use soda to get battery acid. <laughs> they have commercials on YouTube. Yeah, I can see this is going to be a great rock and roll show today. They have videos on YouTube where they take Coca-Cola. Sorry, Coca-Cola, I'll drink you, but I can't. I, they take a bowl of Coca-Cola, and they put a steak in it. And the next day, the steak has been raptured up to heaven. It is completely gone. Just let me get back to what I was saying. I don't know. Hey, so I'm just saying it's an instruction book. I don't know what I was saying, but let me get back to what I was saying. The suit is not working this morning. I thought the suit would keep me in line. Hey. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23, 28. Let these these are very uh, 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 very important. Let these false prophets tell their dreams. Now remember, we are very much a dream and vision church. But, but you have to keep it in the word. I'm going to say this again before I read the scripture. Y'all, there are, there are still people, even here, who disagree with the fact that Satan cannot give a dream. That is completely 150% false. Satan can never in a million years give you a dream because a dream is creative. A vision is something that can cause... <clears throat> does not the Bible says? Does not, does not the Bible say... Satan blinds the minds of those that don't believe. That's vision. Because you don't see with your eyes. You see with your mind. That's why two people can look at the same, uh, same painting and see two different things. You never see with your eyes. You see with your mind. Your mindset and your mind determines how you see a thing. So the enemy can mess with your mind and pervert your vision. You understand what I'm saying? But he cannot give a dream because a dream is different than a vision. A dream is, I mean, think about this. Think about how much power this is if Satan can give you a dream. You're sleeping. And so while you're sleeping, Satan goes over to his laboratory and creates a movie. He creates a movie and he puts all of these characters on the front row in your movie. You understand what I'm saying? 
and then he places it in your soul, it is impossible for Satan to do that because he has no creative ability. He's a perverter, not a creator. But what happens is, is that because your dream is so seemingly off or scary, or in your words, demonic, you're like, oh, that couldn't have come from God. Wrong. God is the one who created hell. Which can show you how horrific he can be. You can read the Old Testament and see what he did to people. Okay? So, no, it's that you don't understand the dream symbols and how God speaks to you. How many of you know God is not nervous? You're nervous with evil. God is not. You're nervous with things that are uncomfortable. God is not. This is going to sound crazy. You're nervous with things in society that are perverted. God is not. So when there was a homosexual minister who was ministering at his church as a homosexual minister, he couldn't understand why God was giving him a dream every single night of a demon holding him up aside against the wall, upside down, molesting his private parts. So do you, why would God? Because God is not nervous like that. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't mean to shock y'all with such a horrific dream. But then he would say, that's coming from a demon. No, it's the Lord showing you that your lifestyle is upside down and he's telling you what's causing it, a dark being. Okay, so, so what happens is, is that if you say, no, I just disagree. Give me the word. Show me a scripture where Satan can give a dream. I can show you plenty of scriptures where kings had a dream and their witches could not interpret it. So if Satan gave the dream, why wouldn't he give his people the interpretation? Satan can't fight against Satan. You understand what I'm saying? This is going to be all over the place today. We're going to make many videos off of this. So, the, so, so every time, that's why Daniel was called. That's why Joseph was called. Because dreams is the one arena that Satan is locked out of. It is God speaking to you in a symbolic language so he can get your attention another way. I didn't mean to add all of that. But so what happens is, is that if I show you Satan does not give dreams according to the word, he gives false vision according to the word. But according to the word, he cannot give a dream. There is not one instance even close of Satan being able to give anybody in a dream, give a dream to anybody, whether they were righteous or wicked. So you then have to make a choice. Do I submit myself to the word to stay safe? Or do I go with what I feel? And the moment you go with what you feel, then you empower Satan to deceive you more. Y'all got that? Cool. I feel like a Bible school instructor today. Boy, we... Let's go back to the scripture. Let these false prophets tell their dreams, but let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. Watch this. And then he gives you a comparison between the word and all of the gifting stuff. There's a difference between straw and grain. All of the giftings, all of the prophecy, all of the dreams is put in the category of straw. His word is put in the category of grain. That's why the Bible calls itself seed. Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is it not like a mighty hammer? That smashes a rock to pieces. This is the reason why any situation, you need to be quoting the word. I'm tired. Bible didn't say, say you're tired. It said, let the weak say I'm what? So when you say that, it begins to smash weakness to pieces. And strength begins to rise. You remember in Daniel chapter 10, he had such a crazy, atrocious experience with this angel. He like went into a coma. He passed out. And he, was, he said, how can I stand before you, angel, because I am so weak? And there was another gentleman, another gentleman standing there. He said, be strong, I say, 
be strong. He spoke the word, and instantly Daniel was strengthened. So start speaking that over yourself. I mean, no. When the alarm clock doesn't work, you might have to lay there. Be strong. Get up, body. You have to talk to yourself. Get your act together. Come on, body. Wake up. Wake up. Your body's like, nope. No, you shouldn't have stayed up till 2 o'clock in the morning. You should have been quoting that. The Bible says he gives his beloved great sleep. How many of your body will talk back to you? Whatever. Yeah, yeah I'm going to need this towel today. I'm going to sweat like T.D. Jakes and Rod Parsley. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. All right. 1 Corinthians 13.8. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. Now, it, watch this. It didn't say it was useless now. It says it will be useless later, which lets you know that prophecy and speaking in tongues is useful now. It says, but love will last forever. Our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture, which is why you shouldn't run based on that. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become Useless. Make a mental note. Heaven does not run on power. Heaven does not run on the gifts of the spirit. Heaven does not run on prophecy. Heaven does not run on dreams and visions. It does not run on anything except character. That's why none of these power things, dreams and visions and prophecy and, 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 and all of the gifts of the spirit and, and all of those things, that's why none of those things are brought up there. Because they're unnecessary. They're useless. They're actually considered, mon do y'all know the gifts of the spirit and dreams and visions of deliverance? Those are considered mundane band-aids to keep you all together until you come up to a place where that stuff is considered completely useless. Your ability to know what somebody else is doing, everybody knows what everybody is doing up here because there's nothing to hide up here. So because there's nothing to hide, you will, know, you will walk up to somebody that was you never met on planet Earth. And when you walk up to them in heaven, you will instantly know everything about them from the time they gave their life to Christ up until when they came to heaven. <clears throat> I said when they gave their life to Christ because the old man passes away. You know, thank you. Somebody like, thank God. All of us should be thanking God about the old man, the old woman, the old being, the old everything. <laughs> this is a very powerful statement. There are no scriptures in the Bible where power or gifting are associated with blessing or reward. Yeah, she said, say that again. There are no scriptures in the Bible where operating in power or gifting, like the gifts of the Spirit, or interpreting a dream, are associated with blessing or reward from heaven. Not one. Because they are, they're, not, they're not valued the way that we value them. They're considered mundane things. That's why every time you read about blessing, or God blessing you, it always uh, came with a previous sentence or word that said obedience. If you're willing and obedient, Okay, if I will teach you to profit, okay, Deuteronomy chapter 28, all these blessings will follow you and hunt you down if you obey. You see what I'm saying? And so it's based on obedience. And so I have to teach these things because we have a culture now that wants you to follow them because of their gift and not because they obey God. And gifts are very flashy. If you can interpret a dream, everybody will follow you around like little ducklings. You know what I mean? 
you know, but 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 they don't want to follow the word. They don't want to do the homework. We live in a society where everything is fast. I don't want to take the time to study the word properly on how to interpret a dream because there are, for your information, I don't know why I'm on this. There are, I don't know why I say that. There are 21 dreams in the Bible. It's very interesting. Daniel did a 21-day fast, and Daniel was very much a dream interpreter, but there are 21 dreams in the Bible. So if you want to study it, and watch this. The, the answer to how to interpret dreams is found in all 21 stories. So like, for example, you remember what, uh, was it Joseph? I think it was Joseph, what he told the king. Or was it Daniel? It doesn't matter. I think it was Joseph. You remember what he told the king? Here's a hint. He said, the fact that you've had the dream twice in a row, he says, it means that this will shortly come to pass. See, that was an opportunity for you to take a note. You have, should have a heading that says dreams. And my notes on dreams. Okay, if something, if I get the same dream twice, it means that it could shortly come to pass. If you get the same dream three times or more, it's because there's something going on right then. But you got to study it. But people don't want to study. They want to say, Pastor, can you interpret my dream? Nope, I can't half interpret mine, so I'm going to interpret yours. Right, this is a powerful dream. You don't know who it is. This is a very powerful dream I just interpreted for a young lady. She's new to the faith. And she was talking to me. She said, Pastor, I keep having these dreams, these dreams, these crazy dreams. And she said, and then, she said, and so we were talking about them. She said, and I had this really crazy one. I said, let me, let me hear the really crazy one. That's the one I'm interested in. She had a dream that I was a little baby, and I was just sitting there. She said it was a short dream. I was a little baby. She said I had boo-boo all over my mouth. It was all over my mouth, and it was in my mouth. Y'all like, see, that is from Satan, man. That's got to be from Satan. Mm -mm. You want to know the interpretation of the dream? The Lord was recognizing that you're a new Christian. That's where you're a baby, but you have a foul mouth. When I said that, she said, do have a foul mouth yeah and you're a baby christian so god was telling you you he recognizes that you're a baby in the faith but he's telling you the first thing you need to do is you need to clean up your mouth she got that instantly see how beautiful dreams are but if you don't have a stance on the word that dreams don't come from the devil oh no girl that was satan only satan would put boo-boo in your mouth and and <sighs> i send some never mind let me finish this so my wife can come up and I don't hog up the time. Now, to prove to you these things are low level, Matthew 7, 22. On judgment day, many will say to Jesus, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. I will reply, wonderful. I don't know who you are. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Hence the statement from my spiritual dad, it's possible to be in ministry and God does not know. That's a crazy statement. Now, this proves you can do miracles, but your character is bad. It proves you can cast out a demon, and your character is not right. This proves you can do many wonderful things in the name of the Lord, and he does not know. You know why he does not know and he does not care? Because that stuff is insignificant to him. He's like, you can only do that because of what I created. What I'm interested in is your character. See? So a Baptist does not, that does not believe in speaking in tongues, that has character, will please the Lord a whole lot more than a Pentecostal that can pray in tongues all day long and act as a complete fool. Nothing impresses heaven except for your character. It's the one thing that you are not given. You have to develop it. You understand what I mean? 
The power is given. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says the Holy Spirit has passed out certain gifts to certain individuals based on his personal will. Those were given. So they're not impressed with you using it. You understand what I'm saying? This is some good stuff. Last one. Luke 2 to 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the devils obey us when we use your name. Jesus said, yeah, I saw that fool fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you power and authority over the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But watch this. How many of you, if you casted a demon out of somebody and the person is shouting because they're free, that would make you feel good. Lift your hand. Huh? That would make you feel like, man, I have done something for Jesus. Look at what he says. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. What? Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. In other words, if you cast out a demon, we're not impressed. That's insignificant. That's like breathing to us. Something that insignificant to Jesus, churches don't even believe in it anymore. And always remember this, whatever you don't believe in won't come to you. The Bible says all things are possible to them that believe. Galatians 5.22, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Well, there are laws against the others. Hey, God got me. So that is a word that as we move more into prophecy, more into dreams, more into power, more into giftings, the type of services that we will have in the future, the things that we do on the street, you must use the word as your safety net. Do not go outside the security fence of the word. The Holy Spirit, an angel, and yes, both of them speak to you. I have to teach on that, just how much angels speak to you. That's why Paul said, he said, if, a, he said, if an angel comes to you and tells you something that's not in this book, let that angel be accursed. There are a lot of freaky things that are going on in the invisible realm. You understand? The Bible says that Satan will appear unto you as an angel of light. When you study most of these false religions, they all say the same thing. An angel of light appeared unto me. And they only appeared under one individual. That's another lesson. God doesn't appear under one. God appears under many so that they are in agreement. That's why the Bible is written by 40 different men on three different continents from different social economic statuses, and they barely knew each other. Most of them did not know each other, but their writings matched. When Jesus got up from the dead, he made sure that he appeared to 500 witnesses, not one. Whew, I'm preaching multiple messages here. Y'all good? Everybody say amen. Because that's the first message, and I was going to do the second one. Help us, Lord. My wife can come on up, and we'll see what's up for today. All righty. I'm going to mention these few things here, and then we are going to get over into things, and then my wife, she will just interrupt as necessary. Not in a bad way. I mean, I don't mean in a bad way. I'm just saying she... Let me tell you something. If you, can't communicate, if you cannot communicate well in private, ooh, that's definitely going to show up in the pulpit. <laughs> friend of mine, we went to, any of y'all remember J Billy Joe Doherty in uh, Tulsa? Yeah, y'all know, y'all know him. And um, uh, we, we went to visit his church years ago. <laughs> I should tell y'all this story. So they took us to a house church, and um, 
the guy was, he didn't do it. House church is supposed to be a group discussion so we can sharpen each other. Not this one. This guy was taking this as his opportunity to preach. He had a wooden pulpit. He was going in, boy. He was going in like some, some of them Pentecostal and Baptist people. He was moaning and groaning. And, and all these is just sitting there. They're like, we can't even say anything at this house church cell meeting. And then he would stop. Wife. And she would jump up. And the Lord said, uh, and the Lord said. Uh, and he said, he put his hand up. And that meant shut up and sit down. <laughs> and he ended it by pulling out Crisco and anointing everybody on their foreheads. The kids are like, Crisco? What is that? A new potato chip? No. It's called olive oil today. <laughs> it's just big old white. I don't even know what the stuff was. It was just big old white gunk of stuff. Yeah, he pulled that out and everybody got touched by the Holy Ghost that day. I can't go to stuff like that because I won't be serious. I'll be in the corner just hollering. This is wonderful. This is crazy. This mess. Anyway, let's jump into this. Y'all ready? The whole month is going to be talking about relationships, how to find the right one but the married couples will instantly be able to locate themselves. Let me say this in case I forget. I don't have the answers to why some people get married and some people don't. The truth is, because this is going to be very, very honest and truthful and just very transparent. The truth is, is that there will be some people that will get, get married and there are some that won't. I don't have all of the answers to that. I have some. So this teaching is more about putting you in the best position to get married. Because some people don't get married, and it's because it's their own fault. And some people get married, and it's just a mystery. Some people don't want to be married. Okay, But a broken or bad relationship is one of the main things that can hinder the will of God in your life. It is one of the main things that will determine, had I married the girl that I was dating before I met my wife? Mm -mm. I know for a fact we would have gotten a divorce. That would have railroaded, it would have railroaded everything that I'm doing now. Um, being with the, now if you married, I didn't, don't be going to divorce court. I heard a message today that let me know. <laughs> because if you're already married, it lets you know what you need to pray about. It, it's gonna be revealing in regards to you. Because most people get with people and they have no teachings on how to form a relationship. They just get with someone, and then unfortunately, you, are, you carry yourself in the relationship based on what you saw your parents do. And if you didn't have a mother or a father in your life, without you knowing it, you're gonna make someone your mother or father. You're gonna emulate yourself behind someone. Uh, a lot of times it's a singer, might be a business person, and you will make that person unknowingly your father or your mother, and you'll begin to imitate them. One of the ways you imitate them is whatever they say you accept. You know, and so I ran into someone the other day and they was like, Beyonce is my favorite person. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, see, so, so you accept whatever she does and whatever she says and so then you end up becoming and, and you see the person in public. You don't see them in private. Vaughn? Okay. Yep. When it comes to women, when it comes to relationships, if you haven't seen that modeled in your home, 
And they will, will fantasize because of TV and because of movies. And then the images are formed in your mind about what a relationship is supposed to be like. The husband is supposed to be this. He's supposed to be romantic. He's supposed to be perfect. And then you go into a relationship with these unmet expectations because they're unrealistic. You can have a good romantic relationship. It can be wonderful and peaceful and joyful. But TV is meant to entertain, not to educate. You know, and let me say something. I wasn't. I, I was torn if I was going to say this. I want to. This is today is crazy as today is. This is an appetizer. About next week is just is it's going to be a rock and roll show, a rap concert, a country concert, an orchestra. It's going to be all of those in one time. I'm letting you know. Trust me. But I, I gotta. We gotta dispel this notion, you all. Um, who is this guy? I'm not going to mention his name. There's a particular up and coming young minister. Um, he's. Uh, I'm going to say his name. What is his name? Wow, everybody else knows his name. Never mind, I won't say his name. I won't say his name. But so what happened was he kind of set the internet on fire a little bit because um, he's married and his wife was jumping rope in front of the garage and she tripped and she stopped. And all he did was he, he stood behind her and he put his hands on her butt. And people were outraged. Y'all outraged? I mean, I'm, I, see, I'm trying to help you understand the problem within the religious community. Is is a, a pa and, and here was the thing, you know, I, under, I understand that he loves his wife and everything. But but he's a pastor. And see, all of the common sense people know this. <laughs> and and so now you're gonna sit up on the rest of your show, dismantling this guy's character. Because he put his wife, he put his hands on his wife's butt, you know. I can't think of like a more professional term, derriere, but y'all understand. I don't have time for that this morning. And I, I really sat there and I was just so grieved because you're judging something that God is rejoicing over. And so, again, when you go back to the word, how many know, uh, here we go, God created sex. I mean, no, he's the one. Not only he did create it, he engineered it. He put those organs on her to make it feel so wonderful and so good. He did that. Does the Bible say that if her and I decide to fast, we have to agree that we're going to fast together? And then the Bible has the nerve to say, do not fast and pray too long. Too long. Make sure y'all come back together again and have sex, lest Satan tempts you because of your lack of self-control. Does not the Bible say that a man should be satisfied with his breast at all times? His wife's breast? What did I say? His breast. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this is not going away. His wife's breast. <laughs> Does the Bible say that? I know some of y'all came to hear some deepness today, but trust me, this is going to get very in-depth. Does the Bible say that a man should be satisfied with his wife's breast at all times? It also says in the Bible, let him be ravished and intoxicated with his wife's sexual love. When she is done with him, he's supposed to be walking around the house like a crippled man, he, uh, drunk. He don't know what happened. He don't know where he go. The Bible says that. Let me tell you all something. How many of you know, regardless to what your quote unquote race is, because there's only one race according to the kingdom. Amen. Our great grandfather is Abraham. Would you agree? 
Do y'all not remember in the Bible, there was a scene where Abraham's wife was so fine. He actually did this twice, and his son followed the same foolishness. But the first time, it says Abraham lied and says, now when we go into the city, tell them that you are my sister because you're too fine. And they're going to kill me and take you. They didn't watch this. Saying stupid stuff and not abiding by the word. God said he had a plan for you. But you're so fine, that plan is going to be canceled unless I come up with a lie. Now, what's deep is this. Y'all ready? The first time he did it, it says he told the king, this is my sister. King said, hmm. He was contemplating getting with his sister. But the Bible says the king happened to look out his window. And it says that he saw Abraham feeling on his wife. Some of y'all are like, I need to read the Bible more. Yes, you, you do. do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you want a deep gift of the spirit, this is not the day. It says that he saw Abraham in the King James, it says sporting. Other translations, it says feeling. Another translation says he's caressing. Ladies, how many of you know, you don't want your man to caress your forehead. <laughs> Ain't no such thing as caressing her arm. Y'all remember, uh, remember the Adams family where he took her hand? Yeah, that was the Adams family. You don't see men doing that. It's other things that he caresses. Y'all understand? All we know is, however Abraham was caressing his wife, the king said, come here, y'all. Look at this mess right here. This is not his sister. Does that look like his sister to y'all? No, no, no. That is, you will never touch a sister like that. King went to the man. He didn't ask him. He said, why are you lying to me? The Bible wanted you to know that Abraham was feeling on his wife. See, y'all are very uncomfortable in this Muslim Buddhist temple this morning. I understand, but y'all, you, you are going to be set free. Never mind. Those are just a few of the cases in the Bible. And now here we come where now a pastor is rebuked because he was playing around with his wife in the driveway. And see, what this causes is this rigidness and this false thing of what a Christian relationship is supposed to be. There's supposed to be more freedom in a Christian relationship than there is a war. I'm talking about when you're married. When you're dating, it's restricted. Amen. Y'all following me? I hope y'all can last. I hope I can last. So too many people have broken relationships. No matter who you marry, there is always the possibility that something could go wrong and the relationship is severed. I'm going to be very honest with you. Even when you have Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, there is still always this small possibility that something could go wrong. They could lose their mind. They could turn to the dark side. You know, you could always have things that have passed away, they can go through a season in their life where they're just off completely. What is that pastor that was public? And never mind. Everybody, uh, the guy that his wife was cheating on him for all of those. Yeah, Ron Carpenter. Some of you are familiar with Ron Carpenter. Yeah, he dealt with that. His wife just went straight rogue. For 10 years, she for lived a double, years. a double life. The pastor's wife is living a double life for 10 years. I believe they're reconciled now. Yeah, they're reconciled now. But, but you don't know what might happen. So, so when you're going into relationships, you want to do it the word way and not the world way in order to give your best chance at being able to make it to the end. No, one man, no man married his wife with the intention to destroy her life. He didn't plan. That was a plan. No woman married a man for the intention of 
all of the things that happened. It's that you didn't know the proper protocol. You didn't know how a man was made, how a woman was made, how you were supposed to date. How do I know if I'm prepared? I'm going to share all those things with you, okay? Not everything I share applies. This is all preliminary stuff. Not everything I share applies to everyone. You understand what I'm saying? Some will get married. Some will not. I don't understand why. My job is to keep you safe so you don't mess up. One of the main agendas of the dark side is to lead you into wrong relationships. Wrong relationships can bring a lifetime of drama and pain. Wrong relationships can send you down a road that you were never supposed to go down. You always miss out on the many blessings God had for you on the correct road. I'm sorry, on the wrong road. Go ahead. So that's why it's so important to operate in patience, operate in patience, operate in patience because one wrong move you could then derail your life you can get back on track but you can't derail your life particularly with valentine's day coming up in a couple days people want to be have a boo they want to have a boo they want to be special to someone they want to have someone special and those kinds of things holidays and man-made things can get you off track when you're trying to go for god and be patient they can move your emotions in the wrong direction the Hallmark movies, friends, things on social media can get you off track and head you. You can head this way when you're supposed to be going this way. Yes. Y'all see that craziness in China a few years ago where the single, the single people were so jealous of people that had relationships. The single people banded together, and what they did was, like, they, they bought up all of the seats at restaurants, bought up all of the seats at restaurants so that the people who were yeah, married people or people that were dating would receive frustration. That's that's just too much drama. Don't let me see you at Walmart in in the in the card section on Valentine's. If I can't have love, nobody can get love. And you just bring you got another YouTube video and okay. the devil remember this. The, oh, this is the preliminary stuff, and then we'll get to the meat. And this is a preliminary message. Next week, oh man. The devil never wants you to marry. He wants you to date have sex, and live together. If you do marry, the devil does not want you to marry the right person. He wants you to marry the wrong person because his M.O. is to always steal, kill, and destroy. Remember that, okay? Because I'm amazed at the level of deception that people have when they live together. Satan uses great deception to confuse, pervert, and misguide when it comes to relationships, okay? <clears throat> and, so let me add this, there is no scriptural precedent in the Old Testament or the New Testament where people get married based on dreams, visions, and prophecy. I didn't hear not one amen. Not one amen. Time to inflate our imaginary congregation on the back row. <laughs> imaginary congregation, activate. When I was single, I mean, there were a number of men that said, the Lord told me you were my wife. I'm like, well, that's funny. He didn't tell me. So I was never moved by that. I just thought, really? That's, that's very interesting because I didn't hear anything from the Lord about, I don't even know you. What's your name? <laughs> so you really do have to hear from the Lord for yourself. I mean, do you even like this guy? Are you even attracted to this guy? Then how is the God told him you are to be his wife? You don't even like this guy. Here's the deep part, even if God did tell him you still have a right to reject it. You have a choice. I'm going to show that to you in just a moment. You have a choice. So, so there's no precedent. The Bible says a man, I'll read that in a second. There is no precedent in the word of God where someone comes to you and says, the Lord told me, 
Let me tell you something. If a man comes to you, lady, and if a lady comes to you, man, and says, the Lord told me that you are my spouse, and he didn't tell you, that person did not hear from God. Where you're just being disobedient. No, you're being weird. Let me say this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. It is possible that you could have a knowing in your heart that an individual is your spouse. It is very possible you could have a knowing on the inside that this individual is the one that God has destined for you. But if that, under, if that other individual doesn't know, then you might want to keep your lips quiet until that revelation has then come forth. Because it may not be for the immediate time. It may be in the distant future. So you don't want to get into something prematurely and mess things up. Because when the Lord tells us things, you know, how many of you know we can mess up some stuff trying to make it happen ourselves? Because God told me I'm going to be an international evangelist around the world. So we try to get out there and get our business cards, get our flyers printed up. And the Lord meant that word for five years from now. So, for example, my husband told me in 94, we started dating in 93, he told me in 94, I have called him to be a pastor. I did not tell him. But the Lord I, the, told you that. The Lord told me that because I asked him, like, what have you called him to do? So one day, and I wasn't in my prayer closet, I wasn't even praying, I was on a bus coming back from Georgia with him and a whole bus of singles, bus captain's number eight, coming back from Georgia, going to Michigan. And the, I'm laying on his lap because it's a really long trip. I'm like, Lord, I mean, I'm just resting. I wasn't even praying. I was resting. And he said, I have called him to be a pastor. Damn. So I'm laying here. I sit up. Did you say something? He's like, no, I'm looking, I'm looking behind me. I'm looking around. I just laid my head back down. I'm like, oh, my Lord, this man called to be a pastor. I couldn't wait to get off that bus and call my dad. I could not wait. But I never said a word to him. It was years that went by, and he didn't step into the actual physical role until 2011. That's crazy. That was 1994. So the Lord can give you some insight into who you're supposed to be with, but it may not be tomorrow. So it's best to keep your lips closed, keep praying, and keep occupying until that man comes along and says, hey, girl, what's up? Just keep doing your part. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Whether it's your education, whether it's working out, whether it's your career path, whatever that might, growing spiritually, whatever that might be, you keep doing that until that person shows up and says, hey, I want to take you out and let's get together. Notice when she asked God a question, he didn't go further than her question. She said, what is he called to do? He said, he's called to be a pastor. He did not say, he's called to be a pastor and you are his wife. He's called to be a pastor because she has to make the decision if she wants me to be her husband when I ask. Now, after that trip, I had determined this is not my husband. <laughs> I called my father immediately and said, Daddy, the Lord told me he called me to be a pastor. This is not my husband. I am not called to be a pastor's wife. And he said, aren't you called to the ministry? Because that was clear. I, I knew that was clear. Before I met him, before we got together, I knew I was called to the ministry. And the only two examples I had at that time were Joyce Meyer and Marilyn Hickey. This is like 30-some years ago. So I knew that part. I knew I was going to Bible school. I knew I was called to the ministry. I did not know that I would marry a pastor. And I told my dad, I can't do it. I just can't be a pastor's wife. I have no, I don't, from what I had seen at that point, I don't want to be a pastor's wife. I don't want to be in the ministry like that. I want to just be a nice little sweet Bible teacher and just teach the word to women who want to listen to me. And that's it. That's what I have in my mind. <laughs> I'm 
amazing. So the choice was mine. So I decided after my father talked to me and gave me some good fatherly wisdom, just relax my soul, relax my emotions, and keep my mouth shut. My father did not instruct me to keep my mouth shut. That was what the Lord had given me. And so I just continued to pray. I went on to Bible school, and the Lord began to unfold his plan for our lives as time went on. And that's patience. You have to be patient. See, we don't like, the, we don't like patience. You know, Billy, Billy Joel asked you out on a date. And you are already in the mirror with it all fogged up. And you didn't put Linda Joel, Shaquisha Joel, you know. Your first name with his last name. name. Watch this. How your name looks on a piece of paper has nothing to do with a relationship. See how we, it's called the Jedi mind trick. We like to psych ourselves into things. I know you don't like that, but you remember something, you all. The enemy seeks to deserve and confuse you. And so he will convince you to go tell this person they are your spouse. If that person really is your spouse, you won't have to say anything. It will happen. I'm telling you it will happen. Okay. And so, but I've, I've had, and what's very amazing to me is how when people get prophecies or dreams or insight into I'm supposed to be your husband or somebody else is supposed to be your husband or wife, they don't even want to be corrected. They would rather keep their false prophecy then instead of admit, the scripture says a man looks for a woman. So based on that, remember this. This is the, this is the foundation that we work from. Y'all ready for this graphic? A man seeks after a wife like a treasure to be found. And a woman positions herself to be found by men looking for treasure. The Holy Spirit gave me that statement. A man seeks after a wife like a treasure to be found. And a woman positions herself to be found by men looking for treasure. In Proverbs 18.22, it says, The man who finds a wife, which means he is the one responsible for looking, he does not need your help. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. It did not say a man who finds a girlfriend, a man who finds a wife, which means when you're looking for treasure, you might not find it immediately. They got guys right here on the right now out in many parts of the world in the sea trying to dig for treasure called oil. They might be out there for 10 years, 20. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, so there is no favor because he dates you. There is no favor because y'all moved in together. There is no favor because he asked you to marry him and gave you an engagement ring. The favor is only released the moment he marries you because you could change your mind at the altar. I did, but it was before the altar. <laughs> not with you, obviously. Oh. It's almost 27 Ooh. years with you. It's obviously not like, you. What? <laughs> you know, you always, when you're married, you keep finding out stuff in the future about your spouse that you didn't know. I was like, what? Okay, go ahead. I, I, I understand what you're saying now. Go ahead. <laughs> so just as he was dating someone, I also was dating someone else. And those relationships seemingly ended around the same time. And at that time, I just consecrated myself to the Lord. Like, I'm not dating anyone else. I'm not, I'm not dating any, any more people. This is not going to happen. But I was engaged to that man. I was wearing his ring. Mm -hmm. I gave that ring back. I broke off the engagement because I was traveling one day down the road and I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, well, I have asked this man to change a number of things. 
they have not changed. If I marry this man anyway, will I then have to trust you for him to change? Will I have to just stay in the marriage and just work on that and just trust you to one day change this man's heart? And the Holy Spirit said to me, yes. That's all he said was yes. I said, well, I'm not marrying him then. And that's why I said to him, I'm driving. Well, I'm not marrying him then. I went home. I got on the phone. I need to talk to you. I went. I gave him his ring back. And my uncle said he could not believe he had seen a woman. He said, I've never seen a woman do that ever in my life, to just cut something like that so quickly. Well, at that point, I recognized he is not the one. He is not the one. And so you can't think about how much money has been spent, how much time has been spent, the all the memories we've created together, you can't, those things are insignificant. When you realize this is not the one for you, you need to cut that and ask God to heal the person's heart, heal your heart so you can move on and be with the person that God has destined for you and has God has destined for the other person because you are a treasure to be found. I was not that man's treasure. He thought I was and he wanted me to be, but he was not mine. He was not my beloved, whom my soul loved. So I had to be wise enough and courageous enough and bold enough to cut it. No matter, no matter how my heart was in a tug of war or my mind was in tug of war, just even being just compassionate for his own emotions, his own heart, his own feelings, I had to just cut it. I run into several ladies in particular, a few men, but several ladies over the years, they won't cut the relationship because they're too concerned about his feelings. No, let me say something. There's something about this relationship thing where when you recognize that you're not supposed to be with this person or they break it off with you, it's like we run from, it's like a depression sets in with people. It's like you take it too personal. No, they are a square and you're a round peg. Y'all just don't fit. It doesn't mean that you're bad. I mean, the person that she broke it off with, it didn't mean that he was a bad individual. It's just that she made a determination that she did not want to deal with that type of man. Another woman will say, I will take him all day long. I married, let me tell you something. I have a friend of mine who will go, or definitely will go nameless. And he's not really a friend, more of a, never mind. Um, he cr crazy, argumentative, can't even play a volleyball game without this guy arguing. He just kind of, he's bodacious, he's kind of arrogant, he just, and loud. loud See, I haven't even said his name and she knows who, knows who he is. Just obnoxious everything. Now, I made the determination. Oh yeah, you're going to be single for the rest of your life. Said, you're definitely nobody's crazy enough. He married a beautiful young girl who's just as calm and nice and I was sitting up here like God got a special engineering machine or something. Oh, she crazy? I just, you going to marry him? Guess what? I realized what the case was when I met her father. Say it. There's nothing to say. Her father was the exact same way. And so because she had to deal with her father being that way, she was forced to tolerate that type of behavior. So when a man came along that acted like her crazy daddy, that was just normal to her, and she was able to, and they're still married, and she's able to deal with that all day long, where another lady, she's going to go not upside me. your head with a not skillet. Not me, not me. <laughs> so, so this is what I mean by what you cannot tolerate, someone else can. So if y'all break it off, it just means that we're not quite wired together, and we need to kind of break apart so we can make sure 
that we find the right ones. This is hold on one second. This is the reason why. Don't feel bad. Feel convicted. This is the reason why you should not have sex with someone you're dating, because even with an engagement ring. Because what happens is, is that if you date someone and you keep sex out the picture, it's a mysterious thing. You will come to a very fast conclusion if you all are supposed to be married. It is amazing how that works. But now what happens is, if you're in bed together, you then create a soul tie. Your emotions are connected, your bodies are connected, the sex is good, all those things. So what happens is, you end up staying with someone longer than you should, or when you break off, break it off, it's very painful because you're not having to separate your souls that became entangled. Separate your emotions. Divorce means a tearing away. And what you did is, is that you're divorcing yourself from someone before you got married. And, it, and that's why it's so painful is because the sex, it intertwines your emotions. It intertwines. It's a very mysterious thing. Your spirit, I, don't, I don't even know how I should say spirits, but you got my point. And so, but if you keep that out the picture, that is the safest way down your, the safest and quickest way to find the right individual is you date someone, keep sex out the picture. Like I said last weekend, uh, the way God created men, most men cannot be in a relationship with a woman without sex. And so if there is none, he comes to a quick conclusion if he wants to commit to you the right way or if he need to leave you for a woman that's going to give him sex. Now, he mentioned about you two not being wired or compatible. Sometimes it's not the wiring. Sometimes it's the development. Mm. You are at a certain place in life. You, are, you have matured. You know what you want. You've gone through a few things in life. You said, this is not, I don't want this. I do want this. And that was me. I don't want this. This is what I want. He, he was older than me, but yet he was very, very, very severely underdeveloped emotionally, even though he was way older. Just emotionally, he was not developed. And so maybe it could have worked. I don't know. But I knew for me at that time, the way that he was, the things I desired, things I needed, I needed certain things. He could not give. I was not going to tolerate that. I was not going to settle for it. And so sometimes you can be at a particular place as a woman, and he is just not there. He's attractive. He's fun. He's funny. He has a good income. He's educated. He's godly. He loves God with all his heart. But he's just... You know, he's just silly, immature. He's just not developed. And he's just not what you need at that moment in your life. So it's better to just save yourself some heartache and save yourself some time and not go down that path because he's not ready. He's not ready. Or vice versa. He's ready to settle down. He has, you know, had some experiences. He's traveled. He's been in the military. He's ready to settle down. And he, you know, he, he's, he sees you. You're great. You're beautiful. But you're not ready to be settled. You still want to travel the world and do some things. You're not ready. And so, unfortunately, you have to just tell each other, like, hey, you know, you're great, but it's just not time. This is not time for me. And I just have to just let you go your way. And you have to just trust God that he will bring you the person you're supposed to have at, in, in your due season. When you are dating someone, keep sex out the picture and be praying. Lord, I need you to show me the truth about this individual. Is this my husband? Which goes back to the first thing, which is don't date if you're not ready to get married. And that's hard for people to do. Dating is not for the purpose of having somebody, you know. It's not for, for you to get your emotional fix. <laughs> Because it's Valentine's Day and you wish you had a boo. Yeah. And um, Michael from five years ago called and said, hey, we, I want to just check on you. I don't need to be checked on. <laughs> what you doing on Tuesday? Oh, I, I don't really have no plans. Let's go out to eat. And then you find yourself rolling over in the bed at 1 o'clock in the morning. Because you wanted somebody for that day. 
is such great deception. It's for a day. It's for a day. If you just hold tight, stay at home, make yourself a nice meal, buy your own flowers and candy. I've done it. Buy your own stuff. The day will pass. The next day will come. The 15th will come, and the day is gone, and now you're good. It's, it's over. The day is over. And you're not rolling up with regret, like, oh, my God, what I have done. What have I done? Because I wanted a card and some candy. You're worth more than that. You are a treasure. Treat yourself as such. You are worthy to be found by a man of God. Worthy to be found. Worthy to be found. So just hold your horses and be honest with yourself and where you are right now. I feel like I need to get saved. Let me say something. Let me say something. There are some of you in here that I'm sure you might be dating someone. You don't need to feel bad because you don't know what you don't know. Unfortunately, when it comes to relationships, we just kind of do what we think is right or what we saw our parents do. Now, thank God I had a very, very good example of a godly marriage, but I didn't have a great example of the emotions that are supposed to be between a husband and wife. And so, so, and if you don't, you know, my dad, whenever he left the house, he would always let us know where he's going, period. And this is in the day of you can't text, you can't call, this is the day of pay phones. He would let us know, hey, I'm going here, going to Randazzo's, which was a fruit market, I'm stopping by Sears, I'm telling my age a little bit and stuff. He would do those things. I should be back home by 4 o'clock. If he didn't, if it didn't seem like he was going to make it home by 4 o'clock, he would stop by the payphone and call his wife. Hey, just letting you know, I'm running a little behind. Um, I said 4 o'clock, but I should be home by 4.30. That's what I saw. So I carried myself the same way when I got married. So there was a lady that heard me talking about that. She told me, or I can't remember which one was she told, oh, he's a very good man. I said, really? Based on what? Well, because of that thing that you do. I said, that didn't make me a good man. That made me a programmed man. Programmed. I was programmed to do that way, do that. I saw my dad always let us know where he was going. So um, I always let my family know where I'm going. Not so much the kids. You know, the kids always want to know, where are you going? You're not my wife. I ain't got to tell you nothing. <laughs> it's just crazy how your kids, where are you going? Like they're the parents or something. That's hilarious to me. You still tell them, you know. Sometimes we don't. You know, it's so crazy. With tech, right? Sometimes my wife, I shouldn't be saying this. Sometimes my wife have had to go out and we have to turn off our location services and... <laughs> Because your kids, they're like special investigators. They want to know. <laughs> okay. But, 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 I, but I do that not because I'm a good man. I do that because that's what I saw. And Jesus made a strange statement about himself. He said the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. See? So you're going to do what you saw. So we're not, we're not saying these things to try to make you feel bad. We're trying to help you understand that whether you know or you're ignorant, if you go down this road, you're asking for, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And, and so, so, we're, so you can adjust how you date. If you've already made mistakes, repent, back up, have conversations with the individual. You may have to cut something off, but this is how you keep yourself, okay? Keep yourself safe, I'm sorry. So let's read this, because this is preliminary stuff. I want you to see how in this scripture you always have a choice. If God ordains for you to marry a person, you still are allowed to have a choice. God can make the presentation and you can say yes or no. Yeah. The Lord can say, what about her? No. What about her? No. What about her? Yes. 
And women, it's the same thing. Even if the man is putting pressure on you and you say, I know, I know you're called to be my wife. I'm called to do this. I need you. Yeah, you can still say no. And you, that's a safety net because people would, you know what? No, it's not the issue. It's just we, people will put God on the back of stuff to control you. When people tell me, the Lord told me, I don't believe a word they say. I don't know if God told you that. People put God on the back of stuff to, in order to try to control you. And so when I was dating my wife, I mean, there were times I was holding my hands in church, holding my wife's hand. And she, she doesn't remember it. I remember it when we were walking up the aisle at the end of the church service and that guy shook my wife's hand and put his phone number in her hand. She said, I don't remember that. How many know, brother? How many know you remember that? You were we married or were we dating? We were dating. But while we were dating, so many men came to her and said, the Lord told me that uh, you are my wife. Well, which one did the Lord tell? Because all of y'all are saying this is a wife. I have, tech, I have technical people here that when they go do work for another church, guess what the pastor says? The Lord sent you here to join my church to help us with our technical department. I have a worship and praise person. When that person goes and plays for another church, guess what every pastor says? Every last one of them, the Lord sent you here to be the praise and worship leader. People put God on the back of stuff. So, 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 and that's why when people say, you know, Holy Ghost plumbing service and, and, and no, I'm going to avoid you because the Holy Ghost doesn't have much to do with the plumbing in my house. That was a man system. Y'all follow me? Everybody say choice. Choice. <laughs> Genesis 24.4. Go and stay to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. This is Abraham. The servant asks, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing, is willing, key, you're going to see this three times. What if I can't find a woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? No, Abraham responded, be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. Here we go. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. How many know this is an angel? Verse 8. But if she is unwilling, in spite of the angel, the angel is going to lead you to the right girl for my son. But that girl has a choice. So if she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. Do you see this? You see the biblical precedent? That even if God is involved, even if an angel takes you there and says, this is the girl for your son. Wonderful. First question is answered. We found her. Now the second question is, are you willing to go? No. Looks like we're going to have to look for another. So no matter who comes to you, I have to keep you in the safety zone. No matter who comes to you, they can say, God said, it can be your pastor. The Lord told me to put y'all together. No, he didn't. Your wife is crazy. You always have a choice. Something that God told me years ago. He said, the Holy Spirit will never allow you to be deceived by anyone, including titles. If he does, he made them God and not me. The Holy Ghost's job is to lead you and guide you into all truth about everything. 
If you have a relationship, how many of you have been in a situation and on the inside you felt funny? And how many of you know you felt funny, but you still pressed past that and ate the food? And the next scene was you were in the bathroom asking God to heal you, and you promised that you would be his international evangelist and all of that. If you just, how many have had a bathroom experience where you are praying, you are humming, you are chanting, you are, oh, it's all type of strange noises coming out of that bathroom. But guess what? The Holy Spirit told you, don't do it. I had to do a, a visit one time of a lady that went crazy. Doctor was trying to force this medication on her. She knew she was not supposed to do it. She took it and went crazy for about a week. They called me because they thought their mother had a demon, Holy Spirit. They went out found the story and said, Holy Spirit, I never forget this. Holy Spirit, don't pray for her. He said, let the medication wear off. And then she came back and told me the story. Okay. So I had to say all of that because we're just trying to keep you safe. Y'all good? Let's go just a little bit more. Genesis 24. So the servant took an oath by putting his hand under the thigh of his master. Abraham. He swore to follow Abraham's instructions. Then he loaded 10 of Abraham's camels with all kind of expensive gifts. Ladies, how many of you know it would be wonderful to have a man like this? Okay, but he usually doesn't exist, so be satisfied where you can. Okay? <laughs> with all kind of expensive gifts from his master. And he traveled to distant, I didn't look up that word. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. <laughs> he made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening, and the women were coming out to draw water. Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing here at the spring and the young woman of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I want to ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. And if she says, yes, have a drink uh, and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Ladies and gentlemen, before I go to verse 15, this is called a vision board of the type of spouse that you want. He said, Lord, let this person do this, and then I will know she is the one. You should have a, a basics. Now, don't put down Jesus in a dress. <laughs> you know, you wrote down so much stuff about this man, Jesus, like I could never be your husband, and I'm the son of God. <laughs> basic stuff. Okay, I learned this from Yongi Cho. Longi Cho, what he teaches the women in, um, at, in South Korea at Yongi Cho's church, he sat one lady down. He said, first start, he said, what race do you want him to be, white, black, or Korean? She said, I want a Caucasian man. He said, write that down. He said, next, he said, what kind of areas of, uh, of like certain things do you want to be in him? She said, I want him to be around certain height. kind of want him to be musical. You write those things. You understand what I'm saying? Now, keep in mind. What you write down, it might be sometimes the opposite because you start with what you think you want. Understand what I'm saying? But the Lord knows what you like. So she might have wrote down a Caucasian man, but the Lord might have sent her an African-American man. Okay, you can write down an African-American man, but you might end up marrying an Italian man. Okay, because God really knows. You don't really know what you like until they show up. You know why? People tell me all the time they get out of a relationship. I'm not interested in dating anymore. Three weeks later, here they come. <laughs> so the Lord is not paying attention to you. He's not paying attention to you at all. He knows you're just heartbroken right now, and you don't want to be bothered with any type of woman, and then you're at the gym. Wait a minute. I think I just got healed, Jesus. Am I lying? Oh, y'all too rigid today. I'm going to make y'all do jumping jacks. I should have wore a jogging suit. 
So he, you write down some basics so that now when you start dating this individual, he should be a Christian first, and you have these things, you're like, oh, this might be the one. That's how I got my wife. She was not dating. When I asked my wife out, three guys, I was one of them, asked her out on the same day within 30 minutes. It was after a church service. <laughs> and, so, and so she told all three of us no. It was when we were standing in a group and we were having a group discussion, the singles were after church. She heard me say something. And she said, wait a minute. That's one of the major things on my list. Actually, it was after we had gone on soul winning. So Am we I did, telling the story wrong? We, yes, you are. Oh, I'm that's sorry, okay. I'm, that's sorry, okay. I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm your helper, so it's okay. So we did have the church discussion and all that, and that was great, and we had that time. But what, what clued me in was a day we had gone soul. We had been out on the street witnessing that day, winning souls for Christ. And after we were done, we had met back at the church. And I said, well, so we were just having a, just some conversation. Like, well, hey, what are you getting ready to do? And he said that his sister was giving his parents a surprise 25th wedding anniversary party. And so I said, huh, is that right? And he said, yeah. So when I left his presence, now by now, he has already asked me out for a date, and I told him no. And that was it. I just left there there, no. And so that day, though, I thought, okay, wait a minute. That was one of the things that I asked was the Lord would send me someone that had parents that were married and that were together because I did not have that. I didn't have an example. Forget a good example. I didn't have an example. TV was my example. The movies were my example. So I had no earthly example really to glean from, especially a godly example. I mean, Mrs. Davis down the street, I mean, she was a good example. She was a stay-at-home mom. She baked cookies for the PTF meeting and for the, she went on field trips. So she was a good example, but she was not a good godly example. So in that moment, I'm like, Lord, well, wait a minute. This, this could be that person because there are things I've asked you for, and this is one of the major things on my list. So I didn't say anything. I didn't start winking and blinking. I just watched. I just watched, and I listened and paid attention until he came back around. <laughs> you know it's true. I don't even know what to say. But y'all see my point in regards to it was she had, she had in her heart she wasn't going to accept anything. And that little statement kind of triggered her, and then boom. And I never, and I had the attitude. See, ladies, that's why you got to trust God. I had the attitude. When you tell me no, I'm done. It's too many fish in the sea. You know what I'm saying? And it's just too many fish in the sea. And um, I can't tell you that. No, no, no. Because, no, because, Say it. Say no, it. because there was, I never told you this before, so this is going to be brand new news. Okay. The lady's like, uh oh, brace yourself, brace yourself. When she told me no, there was another young lady at the church that I had kind of set my sights on. She actually reminds me of my wife. And, and I never I'm got a, a kind, dude. I'm uh, yeah, kind. I, I never got a chance. <laughs> but but if, if the Lord had not revealed that to her, uh, yeah, I, I would have married that girl probably. And so I don't know what I'm talking about at this exact moment. He doesn't because it's doubtful he would have done that. I mean, it's just very, very doubtful. I am one of a, I'm an original, okay, yes. one of a kind. She's definitely one of a original. Kind. There's nobody like me. <laughs> but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I realize that now. You know, and so, but what she, she didn't come back, she, she didn't come back to me and say, hey, you can take me out now. I mean, it's just, she was giving me little cues. It was the type of cues that say, now she said no, but that's not the type of winking and blinking and smiling that you get from somebody... <laughs> 
that has continued with that original decision. You know what I mean? Now, you know what's interesting is that he's saying I was winking and blinking and smiling, but I was a very smiley... <clears throat> See, see, stop. The Lord interrupts you right there because you're out of order. I remember when my wife, after she told me no, she pulled up in that little pink Escort or Corsica. I can't remember because I was looking at you and not the car. I remember when she pulled up in that little short blue A-line dress. She pulled up right in front of me in the car. Hey! I remember that. So you can cancel that. Back, that's, back, back to my story. That's why the Holy Ghost choked you. No, he didn't choke me. He didn't choke me. Oh, man. He was cautioning me because of the story I was going to tell. And I'm going to still tell it. Right. So there was an older man at the, it was an older man at the church. And because I was so smiling, I'm, I'm very young, I'm beautiful, I'm godly. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. So everybody got the smiles, not just Oathly Turnbull III. Everybody got the smiles, Okay. In the words of Donald Trump, wrong. But the man told me, he's like, you know, he, I, mean, I mean, I did not say a word to the man. He said one day, you know, you know, you're just so sweet, you're so kind, but you're just, you're just too young for me. And, you know, I really wish you well with, and I just sat, sat there, and, I mean, I stood there and listened to him, and I said, okay. I said, all right, well, thank you, thank you. Because I didn't want to destroy the man's ego and tell him, dude, you are so old. You have nothing that I need. I was just, but he saw me being smiley and friendly as if I was flirting with him, so he could have mistaken my cues, okay? Verse so 15. Was, <laughs> whatever, dude, whatever. I'm supposed to, you're supposed to tell the truth in the house of God. <laughs> now, maybe you didn't see it that way because, as you always say, I can't see myself, but I know what I saw. Because right after that is when I asked you out, so that's to let you know something. You was hoping and praying. No. Yes, you were. Speaking of praying, verse 15, before he had finished praying, <laughs> he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, came up again, running over to her. The servant said, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered, have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. How many know that's the cue? So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. The same way you might have a vision list, and when you start dating somebody, is this person really the one? Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrist. That was a traditional thing back there to let the person know, hey, I came to get you as a wife. But look at verse, how I many you know, the Lord has answered his prayer, an angel has directed him. Genesis 24, 57. Here's her family. Well, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. <laughs> so they called Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? She replied, yes, I'll go. So they said goodbye to Rebecca, sent her away with Abraham's servant and his men. And the woman who had been Rebecca's childhood nurse went along with her also. Y'all see that? I'm doing this very, very slowly because most people, we're not even talking about the world. The world just dates the demonic way, okay? But when it comes to most Christians, they don't know the proper protocols. 
And so there you'd be surprised how many people that I have saved. The Lord said, the Lord, he said, the Lord told him that I'm his wife. I said, do you want to be married? No. Well, then there's the answer. And they were struggling with the answer. They were struggling with the answer. So I'm just showing you the word that says no matter what somebody has come up with and conjured up with and prophesied with or dreamed with, you have a right to say no. And when you say no, God will not hold it against you. And so here's the thing. I know your heart is pure before God and you want to please the Lord. And that's why you would even question when the man mm -hmm. said, you are called to be my wife. Yeah. You won't really even question that because your heart is to please God. So if, if this is what he said, then that must be true. As a daughter of the most high God, you have a right to inquire of your father. Yes. Did you send me this man <laughs> or did the devil send this man? Did you send me this man? Is he called to be my husband? Because I really don't have a desire to be married. And the desire might not be there now, but it may be there in five years. But that's okay if you tell him, no, right now, I'm good. I'm, I'm single. I love being single. I love serving in the house of God. I love, I love what I'm doing, serving, serving the homeless people and going to school. I'm not interested in being married right now. And see, that had to be the Holy Spirit. So now let's interject this, and we're almost done. About See, what will make you fearful is following this false notion that there's one soulmate out there. Soulmate is an unscriptural principle. Period. There's only one principle that you see with soulmate, and it says David's soul was tied to Jonathan. Jonathan was the king's son, but Jonathan recognized that David was supposed to be king. And, and just like you can meet, it's like two police officers, you know, is you can have two officers. One is Arab and the other one is Asian. Does not matter. They are brothers because they work together and they become intertwined like they were born from the same mother. And if one of them gets shot, the other one will go into depression and need counseling. So that's how, that's how David and Jonathan were. They just became great friends, like, overnight. And they, they was like two blood brothers. That's how it was. That's the only time the Bible mentions soulmate. So get out of this notion that there's this one individual out there for you. And if you miss that window and you miss that individual, you cannot get married. That is 100% false. It is nowhere in the Bible this is relationship gurus who charge you $1,000 an hour telling you this stuff so that you have to keep coming back. That is nowhere in, go ahead, I'm going to let you, uh, hold on one second. There's, that is nowhere in the Bible about a soulmate. If my wife would have rejected me, guess what? There would be another individual that I would marry. This, I can't, it's hard to explain this, but everybody is cut from a mold. Have you ever seen someone of a different ethnicity, yet they look like somebody that you knew from the same ethnicity? It's because it's, men have created these differences called race. That stuff doesn't exist when it comes to God. Every person, whether they're dark skin or light skin, they are cut from a particular mold. And so if you're cut, it's like a dealership. You go to a dealership, and that dealership has a certain amount of cars. You have one car that's a minivan, and that particular minivan will come in different colors, but it's still a minivan. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Then that particular car, they have a sports car called a Corvette. It's a Corvette. And that Corvette is taken from a different mold, and no matter what color it is, it's still the same type of Corvette. Are y'all following me? So in the same way, I am cut from a particular mold, but there in every race, there are who knows how many hundreds of thousands of men, maybe millions, that are cut from that same mold. So you can go all the way over to an Arab nation or an Asian nation, and you will see a Chinese man, and that Chinese man will remind you, remind you of me. He's Asian, but he's just like Alpha. Yeah, because we were cut from the same mold. And there may be millions of us 
whether black, white, Asian, Puerto Rican, the list goes on, African, we're all cut from that mold. Now watch this, in the African-American race, they're gonna be who knows how many hundreds of thousands of black men that are cut from that mold. When it comes to the Caucasian quote-unquote race, then they're gonna be a certain amount of white men that are cut from that mold, you understand what I'm saying? So there are hundreds of thousands of men that are cut from each mold, the same way that there are women that are cut from each mold. So if you wanna know the truth, there actually might be a thousand women just in Atlanta alone that could fit the description of being my wife, just like Lorana. Now that's, that, that's, that could be true. Did I confuse you, Jesse? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> that could be true, but the Bible says the virtuous woman who can find, her price is very valuable, far above rubies and diamonds and gems. I mean, she's very, very valuable. So it may be the same mold, but not because of her heart and who she is and how she's developed herself. She molded so herself into a treasure. I'm sorry, I just got excited for a second. Okay, so, so they cut from the same mold. What she's saying is, is that if you have 10,000 women cut from the same mold, who is the one that is going to become the treasure out of that group that can stand out? So there, there, was, there was a girl that I dated before her. I know she would have been a good wife. I know she would have, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know she would have made a good wife. I rejected her for one reason. I couldn't see myself being attracted to her for my entire life. That's cruel. Nope, that was wise. She is now married. She got married not too long after that. See, so, so I had to be honest with myself. So she fit the mold of a good wife, but she wasn't that top treasure that I was looking for. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is what I mean. This whole soulmate thing. So now, now let me come back. So yes, there can be someone God has for you. There can be a first choice, the first one in line. But if she rejects me, then God has another one that's in line. You know, you know, I hope I'm not messing with y'all minds this morning. I'm trying to, because when you've been so programmed with religious dogma and doctrine and foolishness and stupidity, and what your mama told you and what your friends told you, don't pay attention to your friends, their relationships are jacked up. Then it can mess with you when you hear this, there's no such thing as soulmates. Well, I'm not saying it's the case. I'm saying that it's just not one. See, let me, my wife and I are one today because we've been with each other. So we're more soulmates now than when we first met. Our souls are intertwined because of fellowship and the things that we have been through together. You know what I mean? I counseled a woman many years ago, and when I, at the time that I was counseling her, she was on her second marriage. Her first husband, she divorced because he was very abusive, physically abusive. And she left with four children. She remarried a man of that same profile, very abusive. And so she told me that she felt in her heart she should leave because how could she then explain to her children why she left their father but would stay with this man who was very verbally and physically abusive? She said, the real reason I won't leave is because I'm afraid to be alone and I'm getting older. I mean, who would love me? Mm. Who would want me? I'm like, there are so many men out here that would love you and would treat you like the queen that you are and that will want you. It doesn't matter how old you are. So you like younger men, it'd be a younger man, a man your age or older man. You don't have to settle for the abuse you left from your first marriage. She finally gained the courage, because I didn't tell her to divorce the man. I, just, I was encouraging her to get out of the situation and separate herself so she'll be safe 
that was what I was encouraging her to do. But she was concerned about divorcing him because she did not want to be alone. And I'm like, is it better for you to be alone and safe and have peace of mind or to be with someone who's abusing you and hurting you continuously? So she made her decision. She got married a third time, and her marriage is wonderful. He treats her like a queen. He respects her. He loves her. He honors her. And so maybe you did mess up. You chose the wrong person. That's okay. The Lord, the Lord is not squeamish about that. He can find, he can bring someone else across your path. Yes, the Lord always wants you to avoid trouble. It doesn't mean that if you did it wrong, that it won't come out right. It's just that you're going to have to sometimes go through some trouble. But you got to get that out of you. got to see if you don't value yourself correctly, you will say that because of my mistake, I have no value. And I learned that from, I learned so many things from men around the world. And it's just something I never forgot that T.D. Jake shared. He opened up a $100 bill. He was on a talk show. He opened up a $100 bill. Some of you heard this, some of you haven't. And he said, what is this? The audience said, a $100 bill. And then he crumpled it in his hand. Then he opened it back up. What is it? $100 bill. Then he took it and he crumpled it, threw it on the ground. He stumped on it, picked it back up. What is this? $100 bill. He says, so no matter how much abuse the $100 bill has been through, it's still a $100 bill. It never lost its value. But we are programmed in this raggedy world that because we have gone through things and we have made mistakes and we have messed up, that you have somehow now lost your value. And single women with kids can be some of the worst with that because, well, I have two and three kids now, so I have lost my value. Uh, how? Because you have two, three kids? There are plenty of men out there that their treasure is a ready-made family. Ready-made family. I have a friend of mine, this young lady, let me see, she had three children by three different fathers. One of the children was severely mentally deformed in his body and in his mind. He, and he was a single guy with no kids. Married that girl and took care of all three of them like they were his own children. But if you believe that because you made a mistake, if you believe that you slept with too many people, if you believe that you have too many children, if you believe that nobody wants you, then guess what? Your life becomes what you believe. But there are some women, it, don't matter, it doesn't matter how many times they messed up. you sitting up there mad at him. You're single, fine, and you came wonder, you're trying to figure out why a woman with five kids got a new man because of what she believes. And have you seen somebody that, they, what do they call it, ghetto fabulous, somebody out in the public, no, you don't look good, but they think they look good. They are at Walmart right now with a yellow bonnet on and some, and some penguin house shoes and some pajamas, and they think they look good. You can't tell them they don't look good, and they keep a man. Because confidence is attractive. I mean, when you're confident and you believe in yourself, it's very attractive. And he mentioned this girl. I mean, I've seen, I've seen them out in public. I mean, they just come in, sashaying. I'm like, wow, check her out. I mean, she's full of confidence, and she draws what she's putting out. I'll never forget. I was driving my friend's Ferrari, and, and this girl pulled up next to me on the freeway looking crazy. I mean, you know, you drive a car like that, you have to be ready. Uh, these ladies so crazy, they try to hit on me while my wife is in the car. And which is, it would be stupid to marry a woman because of a car. But anyway, that's another story. And looking, I mean, just, whoo, yuck mouth crazy, just crazy. Didn't care. She pulled up next to me in a Ferrari. And I was like, <laughs> she was like, man. The confidence in her mind that she looked crazy and this dude in a Ferrari was going to pull over and start a relationship with her. Confidence, well, it wasn't attractive to me at that time, but somebody will be, let me get back to this point. Because beauty is really in the eye of the beholder. Yes. I mean, you might think somebody is fine and somebody is like, no, nah, that's really just not my, 
not my cup of tea. It's just not my thing, you know. How many of you been in public and you said, what in the world does he see in her? Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Like, that girl is fine. Why is she with that dude? <laughs> because of the inside. And many times because of your mentality. It determines how you see. There is somebody out here for you. Get out of this notion of there is no one for me because of how old. I did a couple. I did a, I did a counseling couple with a couple that was 70. Counseling appointment, I'm sorry. Thank you. Whew, talking too fast. I did a counseling appointment with a couple that was 70. He walked in with a cane and everything. I said, I need counseling from you. He said, nope. He said, you're a pastor. I'm going to submit to what you say. Counseled that couple, and they got married. He's been happy ever since. You know, I don't, I can't explain it all. I don't know why that, that, that some men, they find their wives at the age of 21, and then others, they find them at the age of 40. I can't explain all of that. The only thing that I can promise you is that when you all go to heaven, no one will regret what they did or did not have. And that, that, and that's a hard concept for some to get. When you step over into eternity, none of, the Bible says the remembrance of these things will be no more. And there are just some people you're going to, and the Bible makes it clear when you get to heaven, those that are married will no longer be married. And I know some people are like, thank God it's over. But others, <laughs> I'm just saying. So let me give you a commercial before we end this, but what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks. Five things a man should have before you marry him. I'm just going to read them because we're going to teach it next weekend. Number one, a real relationship with God and God-fearing. Because there are some men that read the Bible and speak in tongues and still treat their wives raggedy because they don't have a fear of God. I have a fear of God. So even if I am mad at my wife, I become very careful because I know God is like, what you going to do? I'm the ultimate daddy. <laughs> Number two, he submits to strong authority in his life or is willing to because some men don't know that they're supposed to do this. So, so there's a difference between a man. You're like, look, I want to do this right. I want you to meet my pastor. For what? I'm my own man. Well, there it is right there. He's never going to listen to any type of submission in the future. Okay? So we're going to teach on all of these. <clears throat> if he doesn't want to meet your father or pastor, that is a huge problem. Number three, he must have passion for you and not just love. Anytime you spend time with someone, you're going to automatically start loving them but it doesn't mean that they have passion for you. And if a man doesn't have passion for you, that's a recipe for disaster down the road. Number four, a responsible person. He is aware of the cost dimension of life. In other words, he knows the penalty of not doing his taxes. He understands you can't just put your bills on the counter and mysteriously a bunny rabbit shows up to pay them with gold coins. You know, now, now, all of this stuff, ah, I didn't know a whole lot of this stuff. So it's okay if he doesn't know. The question is, is he willing to learn? And, and how you talk to him about this, you have to be very careful because you want to be able to talk to them in such a way where, hey, I want to learn more in life. You want, you're interested in learning with me? You understand what I'm saying? We'll get into the details. Uh, number four, he's a, oh, we said that, a responsible person. And number five, he has some measure of the fruit of the spirit, character. You know, remember that couple we went out with? And the lady, uh, she, we ordered food, and something wasn't right with the food. It was a little too cold. It was a little off. This dude went off so bad, the police had to be called. Ladies, if 
you're dating a guy and he acts a fool because the steak was rare and not medium, you might want to consider what he's going to do when you cook him a meal. Okay? I know someone right now that, when that, that, that grew up in an environment where when the meal was not right, the dad would sit at the table, and if it wasn't right, he would just turn the whole table over and all of the food. See, so he has to have some measure of the fruit of the spirit. Okay, you need to be able to date a guy long enough, because trust me, it'll come out. Got long enough to see how, well, how is he angry? See, th this is the risk, because you're dating someone. What happens if they become a millionaire? Are they going to leave you for a younger tenderoni? What happens if they lose their job? Are they going to come home angry and blame it on you? See what I'm saying? These are all of the things that you don't know about the future. So your eyes need to be open. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. So oh, I want to just add, I just want to add this. Like, if there are things that you recognize while you're dating, you can't change a man. I mean, you have a difficult enough time changing yourself <laughs> and working on yourself. You can influence his behavior. You can influence him, but you cannot change him. It has to come from him. Yeah. So if there are things that are red flags for you in the dating process, don't move beyond the red flags. Address them. And if they're not properly addressed where you're satisfied, then you need to move on. And one of the reasons I say you have to give a man a little bit of leeway, there's certain key things we're going to teach him in detail, is because unfortunately women grow up playing family and men grow up playing with toys. And so, so when a woman meets a man, sometimes she's thinking more about family. Sometimes she's thinking about playing. And a man will use you as a toy. See, when a man plays with a toy, he plays with the toy until it's broken. He actually broke the toy. But when the toy is broken, he just goes finds another toy. So when it comes to sex, you can't let a man toy with your sex. Because it's just a toy. And he doesn't even know he's doing that. Because I told you, I mean, man, we just dumb sometimes. And, and, and he's toying with you, but he doesn't even know it. He's just meeting his needs. He treats you like a toy. And then once he determines that you're broken, which might mean that you're complaining or you want the relationship to go deeper or you want him to commit more because now you feel like you're a part of a family because of the sex. You understand what I'm saying? So then when you start saying, well, you know, well, I, oh, my intention is not that we're having sex. We need to be a family. And he, he backs away and runs because, well, you was just a toy. I was just kind of, I wasn't ready to settle down. Then why are we having sex? Because he didn't know that he saw you as a toy. That was hard, but it was the truth. Doesn't matter how many mistakes you made. Let the last mistake be the last one that you ever made. Five things a woman should have before you marry her. Same thing. Real relationship with God and God-fearing. The women are taking it to the next level out here in these streets, as they say. Boy, let me tell you something. You, you see these movies now. You ever know that? Never mind. Let me just. You know, it's just a lot of stuff is about woman empowerment. But women that become empowered on the dark side? Oh, man. You know, when a man is angry, you just wait for him to tear up the whole house and cuss everybody out. And then he goes to sleep with some alcohol. But when a woman is mad, you don't go to sleep. You just go out there in the garage. Because you're not trying to put your back to a woman in bed. And she's still... You don't know what you might make up to. You just turn over. She's just staring if at you. you. Wake up. If you she wake said, up. if you wake up, <laughs> just women, y'all. Whoo! You know what I was gonna say? Uh, thank you. Uh, that has to be the Holy Spirit. You would you? I forgot to say something. Would you all like to know why? Would you all like to know why God gives everyone a choice?
Because there's one man he didn't give a choice. His name is Adam. He did not give Adam a choice. Now, he knew what he liked. And maybe it was easy to like that because it was the first woman that you ever saw. You didn't have nothing to compare it to. But either way, we know that when Adam saw this woman, he started prophesying. <laughs> he started speaking in tongues and quoting the word. It's facetious. I'm just playing around. But the man started prophesying. He said, oh, that's a whoa, man. Get that little corny joke that I just threw in there. <laughs> she should be called whoa, man. Anyway. Somebody said, wow, you're a terrible pastor. You're terrible. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He said, now this is the reason why a man should leave his mama and daddy. <laughs> Adam prophesied didn't even have a mama. <laughs> it just, that's what I'm trying to help y'all understand. Ladies, when you do what you're supposed to do, men just sound crazy. We act crazy. We talk crazy. We pray crazy. We prophesy crazy. And God created a woman to make a man crazy like that. But anyway, how many of you know the Bible says Eve was deceived, Adam was not. But even though Eve was deceived and Adam was not, he still put the blame on God. This would have never happened if it wasn't for the woman you gave me. God said, check. From now on, I'll let every man make his own choice. Because if you think I'm going to let you blame me for anything, that's another thing. See what I'm saying? Adam said, if it wasn't for the woman you gave me, and so now that's why the Bible says now, when a man finds his own wife, <laughs> now if you pray, I'll help you and direct you, but you have to make the decision because you're not going to blame me for the woman that you made crazy. All right, let's finish this. A real relationship with God. Are y'all still with me today? Y'all going to come back next weekend? You know, you got to have a well-rounded diet. <laughs> just, I just say stuff that, that means nothing at the moment sometimes. A real relationship with God and God-fearing, a woman who does not have a problem with submission. Ooh, he. Submission is not a weakness. Nope, it's a strength. It takes a strong woman to submit to authority and to submit to the king and priest of the home. It takes a strong woman, not a weak woman, a strong woman to do that. But when I do that, I'm going to tell you about the signs that you should not submit to. Okay. A woman who can sacrifice and is hospitable. Told you there was a season in our lives when my wife did not go, she didn't even visit the mall for how long? Years. She didn't even go. Didn't get my hair done, didn't get my nails done, didn't shop. Mm -hmm. I'd hand me downs, hand me ups. I mean, I had them all. What? I had hand me downs. Oh. Hand me ups. I had them all. I got you. I, I get the point. <laughs> and, and ladies, if you're going to, let me say something. If you only go into a marriage for what you're going to get out of it, you are in deep trouble. You go into a marriage because you like this person, you've loved this person, and you believe that you want to go to war with this individual. Because when you get married, the marriages are attacked unlike anything else. Because a marriage between a man that was born that way and a woman that was born that way, when those two individuals get married, you literally represent Jesus and the church. And in order for Satan to get back at Jesus, he has to get through your marriage. It's him trying to corrupt your marriage. See, see, your system does not work, Father. It does not work. So he's going to come into that marriage, and you're gonna, it's, it's, about, it's about two. The Bible says two are better than one. Okay? Two are better than one. And so you recognize, you know what? This is the individual that I think I want to go through life with. 
if I'm supposed to have a family, if I want to be married, this is the individual that I want to serve. This is the individual that I want to be in battle with. And so no matter what comes, hell or high water, heaven or hell, I'm going to go through life with this individual and we're going to fight together to build up a reward and then stand before the Lord and enter into eternity. That's what a marriage is about. And that's so beautiful. But then there's sometimes people say, I want to jump off this ship. Yeah. I don't want no, I don't want any more of the war. I'm tired of, I'm tired of the financial difficulties. I'm tired of the sickness. I'm tired of the laziness. I'm just tired, tired, tired. And I'm getting off this ship and I'm going to just wait for another one to come by. Yeah. But then you go through the same thing on the next ship because all ships are made the same way. It's not the ship, it's the people that's in it. You can run to another state and problems follow you because you're the problem, not the state you live in. But here's the unfortunate thing. We're, I was not taught this. She was not taught this. I definitely wasn't taught this. And I just had a, we, my, my family, we had a very, I just had a very good model and a good structure for um, faithfulness. So my dad was very faithful to my mom. My mom was very faithful to my dad. We had, there was zero drama in my house. When I tell you zero, never heard a curse word, never heard voices raised. I mean, it was like something like the Cosby show or something without the funny stuff and all of that. You know, but my dad was very much a strict, solid Christian. He just didn't play that. He didn't play that at all. And he just did the same thing. Went to church, went to work, and worked around the house. Sometimes we went on a little vacation or something. So I grew up seeing all of this. So I saw structure. I saw peace. I saw honor. I saw honor. What I didn't see was the more romantic side of the relationship. The affectionate side. The affectionate side. And you need both in order to survive. So I had to learn that side with my wife. See, it's okay if they don't have it all together because you don't. The question is, are they willing to learn? And, and you're not going to unlearn 20, 30, 40 years of history overnight. I remember I told my wife one time, I said, okay, these are the things that you deserve. I said, if you haven't seen any improvement in three months, I said, you can come back to me and remind me. Even when she did that, in my heart, I didn't want to hear it because no one wants to hear the things that they're doing wrong. But it doesn't make you a bad person because these are the things you need to improve upon. Everybody needs to work on something. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter if I have two things to work on and she has ten. That doesn't mean anything. But we use all of these things. Society makes us feel less than. But, you know, and now we're in a society where, you know, you can do one thing wrong. One thing wrong. And they want you to quit your position from the company that you built. Uh, no, I built this company for 30 years, and I said one thing, and yes, it was wrong and it was a mistake, but I'm not giving up my company because of these vultures out here that are asking me to step down who don't even buy my product. That's why I couldn't do a news conference. Notice he mentioned in his heart. He was irritated. He didn't want to hear it. And that's where, that's where change takes place first, is in your heart. Your spouse comes to you and says, hey, I'd like you to work on these things. If your heart is not properly positioned to hear what you are not doing well and what you need to work on, then you're not going to change. Mm -hmm. Your heart has to be in a place, I'm going to sit here and listen. I know it hurts. That's okay because I'm not perfect. I'm going to just listen to him and just take it. I'm going to go to the Father and ask him to help me work on the things that need to be changed because I can't see these things about myself. He can see them. I'm going to ask him to help me change them, help me work on them. I'm not going to get it right the first time, but I'm going to have, ask God to give me grace because I, I don't see it. Yes. So a woman who can sacrifice and is hospitable, uh, the beauty factor. And uh, the fifth one I didn't put on the notes is um, 
her desire for children um, if it is a desire for you. If you want children and she cannot have children and that's a biggie for you, then do not marry her unless you can adjust. Don't get into this thing, well, we're Christians and I can believe God for her to be healed. Do not marry her if you're going to be upset if she doesn't have children. You're like, ah, you shouldn't say that. Mm -hmm. But I've been counseling people since the year 2000, and I know of plenty of situations where they tried that. They were going to believe God for healing, and when it didn't happen in his time, and he left her. What about adoption? What if, if what if they're open to adoption? Oh yeah, absolutely. But that's something that if he he might be open to adoption. There are some men that they're like cool, but just make sure he's cool. Make sure that if not, let me ask you a question. And you got to really look at him and say, if I can't have children for the rest of my life, are you okay with that? You know, if can we adopt? And if he's okay with that, but if he get to stutter in, and you know, you know, yeah, we can try. Mm -mm, that's gonna be a major. I know men that have walked away from their wives over that issue. And I also know women that they knew they couldn't have children, lied to the man and said that he could, that she could. When she, and her attitude, I remember the first case, her attitude was, when we get married, you know, he'll be okay. He wasn't okay. He divorced that girl in two weeks. Immediately went to the lawyer. And I know a woman that weeks before her wedding, weeks before her wedding, she had to have a, an emergency hysterectomy. There was a situation, she had to have an emergency, I mean, weeks and in tears and fear and trembling, she told her, her fiancé, I understand if you don't want to marry me. I understand. You want children, and I can't give you that. And he told her, I love you. Your ability to have children is not why I love you. Mm -hmm. We can adopt. If you want to adopt, we can adopt. And they did. And they adopt two beautiful children, and they have a great marriage because he loved her for her. And that medical issue was not her fault. It was not, it was not her fault. But he loved her and continued in that relationship. And that's the key, is what is he willing to accept? And it's what y'all agree upon. You know, people keep asking me, what's the secret to marriage? What y'all agree upon? One couple will say, well, we have a joint bank account. Another couple will say, we don't have a joint bank account. We have two separate accounts, but we agree about where the money should be spent. That's just as much as agreement if the money was going in the same account. Quit letting these outsiders tell you how to run your marriage when it works for you, especially people that got the same title as me. I'll tell you right now, ask my wife how many times, stop, ask my, huh? Why you hit me? Well, ask my wife how many times I have hooked people up in the congregation. See? And how many times she's like, you need to stay out of grown folk business because you do not have an anointing to put people together. None, none. Let the man find his own wife. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let me see. Do I have time to just read this? Yes, I do. Y'all give me five minutes more? I know I'm keeping you, but this is very important. It'll save your life. I am. Uh, let me. One of the things that I wrote down is disorder is where Satan reigns. And so, because when I mentioned dreams, the Holy Spirit just brought that up. Ralph and Fagan are sitting here on the front row. And, and it's very, something very interesting because people will say, well, Ralph had a dream that, that, that Fagan was supposed to be his wife. And he had the dream when she was still, you know, dating somebody else. And was it dating somebody else or she was married to somebody else? Well, she was married to somebody else. Now, I remember that. Because being in the Dreams and Visions Church, Ralph came to me. Now, so you didn't. So, in case you didn't know this, Ralph had approached Fagan before she was married. But when he approached her, she told him no because she was dating someone else. Y'all follow that. So, 
Ralph, like me, said, well, that's a treasure that I lost in the sea. Let me go fishing. <laughs> okay. In the meantime, back at the ranch, as they say, Fagin gets married. When Fagin gets married, the Lord starts plaguing Ralph with dreams that all point to she is his wife while she's married to another man. And I always will remember this because Ralph came to me and we were having a discussion about whether the devil does give dreams. <laughs> we might be wrong about this. Maybe we need to search the scripture a little bit further here because this cannot be God. That he given you a dream that somebody else's wife is your wife. And I remember telling Ralph, this was not the exact word, but I was like, we're going to have to both pray. And because I don't have an answer, you don't have an answer. I don't even know. Somebody, we just wait. Hey. So long story short, you know, uh, Fagan would then get a divorce from that particular individual. And I have to be totally honest with you. See, remember when I told you you take a, you take a chance? I was the one who married. She, she doesn't mind me sharing this. We already talked. Um, I was the one who married Fagan and her previous husband. And there were no signs there. Zero. There's nothing I would have said to say, y'all can't get married. You just take a chance sometimes. You know what I'm saying? You just don't know. But all the way, that went south. And so then, I remember. Now, this is the time I was right. I remember after Fagan got the divorce and her and Fagan were sitting back there. I'm saying, yeah, her and I want to be putting females. Okay. Her and Ralph were sitting in the back of the sanctuary and I walked in. And I told my wife, look at that. I was just like that king. That's, that's not brothers and sisters talking right there. That's, no, I know that. That's the look of love. <laughs> okay? And so, hence, they got married. Now, that's very extreme. But, ladies, look at the order. Notice that it was like the Lord was trying to tell Ralph, wait. This is going to be confusion. But I'm, wait. But notice that he gave the dream to Ralph and not Fagin. Because it's the man that's supposed to look for the wife. And it's the wife that's supposed to position herself to be found. So the best thing a woman can do is be the best woman that you could be. Work on yourself on purpose. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. Ask your girlfriends. Do I have And a financially. Yes, and financially. Ask your girlfriends. Do I have a bad attitude? Why you ask that question? You already know you got a bad attitude. See, let me tell you something else about, about Fagan. I watched how the Lord himself stepped in as a father for Fagan and taught her. like it was, He was training her how to be submissive to a man by being submissive to him. He was training her. He was correcting her. He was saying, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do that. Because she helped. She kept me abreast of it. See, so, so what you don't have is never an excuse. You have a heavenly father in heaven. You have pastors that you can talk to. Do not talk to a pastor if he does not have a proper relationship with his wife. Avoid any couple, pastor, business, friends, grandmama and them, cousins. Avoid anybody's advice that does not have a good marriage themselves. Because they're going to be giving you opinion. Be very careful. This, y'all, relationships is the most important thing. The whole thing started, y'all. Planet Earth was started based on relationships. God wanted a family. He put a husband and a wife together and said, start populating planet Earth. 
I want a family. Satan came in to destroy God's concept of a family. You think it's a coincidence that they're trying to turn everybody into a number and an equation and a binary code and an alphabet? And the alphabet keeps pretty much we're going to hit Z in a minute. I'm trying to tell you. This thing keeps on increasing. We're going to get hit Z. And then they're going to create another alphabet. Anyway. So I'll remember that. Y'all still with me? Last ones. These are just pointers. I'm just going to read these. Genesis 2. The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So he gave the man some sense of responsibility first. Period. And then he brought the woman. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat of, the tr of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're going to die. Then the Lord said, so he gave him responsibility, gave him instructions about life. Then the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names. This is his responsibility. So he had already had a little bit of success. He was not at the end, but he had some success. You could see that this man was following what God had told him to do. He's naming all of the animals. And so in verse 21, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep while the man slept. The Lord clothed, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. The Lord made a woman from the rib. He brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is one born from my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united as one. So you see the man there is very simple. We're going to get into the details. He's connected. Hold on one second. He is connected to the one who created him. A real connection. He's fellowshipping with God. Bible says that God came down and talked with him in the cool of the evening. He has a relationship with his heavenly father. He fellowships with his heavenly father. He, you can see in his lifestyle that he's obeying the instructions of his heavenly father. Then when the Lord said all of that, he said, okay, now I can go ahead and I can bring you a woman on the scene. Go ahead. You about to add something? I want to just say really quickly that Adam was a perfect man, a perfect man. And the Lord said, it's not good that man be alone. I will make a helper for him. Why does a perfect man need a helper? Yes. So how much more an imperfect man needs a helper? Mm -hmm. So it's likely the man that you end up hooking up with or marrying will have some weaknesses where you are strong yeah. because you are called to help him and to serve him. He's called to help you and serve you, but you are called to help him. So he's not going to be perfect. So get out of your mind. I've got my list of 15 things and he has to be perfect and meet all 15. Oh man, he only has 12. So forget him. No, he's not going to have everything because it's likely you are strong in areas where he needs help. So he may not be that good with money, but that might not be a re reason to reject him. He may not be that good with money, but the question is, will he let you handle it in a relationship? See? But if he's not that good with money and he has a problem with the woman handling the relationship, you got a problem on your hands. Because the man is going to control everything and you got to drive down that cliff with him. So, you know, so again, we're going to get over into the very much, very much the details of each one of these. So you can, this is it's twofold. For those that are not married, this is how you can keep yourself safe and what to look for because the details are going to be given. This is just an opening. Then, And when you are married, you can know where to target your prayers when it comes to the deficiency that's in the spouse that you married. Because wherever they're weak, that's where you want to target your prayers and God can make them strong. But also remember, it's going to be easier for them to get strong when you are good with your behavior towards them. 
the most difficult thing for a man to do is change when his woman is raggedy. That's very difficult. He's, he has no reason to change because you're, you're not even pleasing him as a woman, so he has no reason to change. And his mindset is, okay, you're not acting right, so if I change, how is this going to benefit me? But he should, in fact, change because he is called to be the king and priest of the home. Yes. He's the one that's supposed to lead by example. Mm -hmm. So if he has that raggedy way of thinking, then, again, he's immature. He needs to say, you know what, no matter what happens, no matter what she's doing, I have to do my part as a man of God. And then hopefully she'll line up with the word and she'll behave the way she's supposed to as a wife because I'm doing my part. Now, we do this on purpose. So you'll, hear, you'll see me hit one side, one side about how men think, but then you'll see my wife say, yeah, but regardless of how he thinks that way, this is what he should do. He should do the right thing. We do that on purpose. That's the freedom in our relationship. I hit one side, she hits the other. She hits one side, and then I hit the other. So it's not her disagreement with me. Somebody was like, did she just check him? Uh, no. <laughs> but how many know sometimes you need to be checked? Because I can say something crazy. Oh, Lord. Last one. Y'all ready? Thank you for staying. I sure appreciate it. It's just a rainy day. You don't have anything else to do anyway today anymore. You don't know what folk got to do today. That is true. They don't have nothing to do, though. It's Saturday. What people do on the Saturday, they can do pretty much on any day. Some people are not married because they can't follow instructions of those that are wiser or more mature than them. It's a simple fact. There are several women right now, I'm talking real silent into the microphone. There are several women right now that the only reason why they are single is because they broke the one instruction I told them. I said, if you do this, that man is going to walk right out the door. Don't say this when you get home. Okay. Walk right home, and there's something about giving people an instruction. They just can't follow it. She said it to that man, hasn't seen him since. You don't know a man, and you don't know a woman. They're wired differently. You have to approach them differently. Okay? You give a man flowers, he will receive it and then take it right home and give it to his wife. Men, how many men in here for your birthday you would love to get flowers? Raise your hand. Not a one. Then you have, you have one. And if a man wants to get flowers for his birthday, there's nothing wrong with that man. I love flowers. And I appreciate it if my wife gave me some tulips for my birthday. And I would love it. But, that's, but if she gave me a choice, no, I don't want any tulips. I want something else. I'm just looking, y'all the one that got your minds all over the place. You give a man a choice of one thing or some flowers. Can I have the other thing with the flowers? Give me just. <laughs> you can do that all you want to. God is the one who engineered love between a husband and a wife. And we're going to talk about all of that. All right, that's the thing. And then let's do this last one. Because men are looking for beauty and behavior. And we're going to get into the details. But look at Esther 1, 10 through 12. On the seventh day of the feast, when, Keys, when King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine, <laughs> he told the seven eunuchs who attended him, Mahuman, Bizda, Harbona, Bigtha, they sound like a rapper, Abaktha, Zethar, and Carcass, to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. Look at this, ladies. He wanted the nobles and all the other men to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. But when they conveyed the king's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. This made the king very furious, and he burned with anger. 
Some of y'all remember the scene, the, the movie VeggieTales. They recreated this. And the king wanted a sandwich. And Queen Vashti said, let the king make his own sandwich. <laughs> it's 4 was, o'clock in the morning. Uh, that was a classic scene. But anyway, two things you notice here. Her bad attitude. And number one, you are married to the king. He, all the, man, the man didn't ask you to go out there and, and work in the lawn and cut the grass or anything. But ladies, this is very, very important. A man wants to take pride in how his wife looks. This king had a beautiful wife, and he wanted to show all of the people that were at his party. <laughs> Look at this right here, boy. Look at this right here. A man, ladies, that's the reason why. A man, you're getting ready to go someplace dressed up, and he may say a little hints. You wearing that? That's a sign to take it off. Okay? You need to ask your man, do you like this? And when he says no, don't get an attitude and storm off. Because the dress is not you. It's what you're wearing. Now, if the problem, now if your man has a problem with the shape of your nose, then now you have an issue because that's you. <laughs> Hairstyles can be changed. Colors can be changed. Clothes can be changed. All of those things. I don't like flats. I just don't. Some men don't have a problem with it. I do. I can't stand flats. Especially them little flats that you get from Walmart that look like you're a ballerina or something. Them little scrawny things, toes. I can't stand them things. Oh, I don't know what it is about them things I can't stand. That's me and my craziness. But another man, he's like, what's the problem with flats? I like the way it makes my wife look like a ballerina. Men get strange things in their heads. Well, it's not yeah. craziness. It's called preference. That's true. It is it's preference. preference. Okay, there's a young lady. I approached her one day. She goes to this church. She, I said, you know what? You are very... Uh, Versatile, and it's another word. Uh, starts with a C, I think. Um, anyway, yeah, because she, she had a different hairstyle. One day it's pink, another day it's purple, another day it's the rainbow like Skittles. It'll be yellow, and uh, nothing wrong with that. You, you, you're going to be offended when you get to heaven and you see some of the colors and hairstyles up there. You're like, am I in the right place? They don't play when it comes to creativity. But I talked, I said, man, you are very versatile and creative. With your... She said, she said uh, Pastor, this ain't got nothing to do with me. She said, this is my crazy husband. She said, he likes, he'll see something, and wigs. She'll be wearing wigs. And, and she said, he sees this stuff, and he wants me to wear this stuff because he loves this stuff. But she serves him, and she dresses that way to keep a smile on his face. Years ago, I did a counselor session. She was like, this is my hair. This is my skin. This is my this. This is my that. So let me ask you a question. You love your husband? Yes. You want him looking at another woman? No. So let me get this right. You love him, and he only should have eyes for you. Yes. Then don't you think he should like what he's looking at? She did just like this. Ooh. I said, yeah, you messed up. You messed up. You messed up. Go get your man. Go back home. And I did not like the way that my wife dressed when I first met her. You love to tell that story, don't you? But it has a good ending. So guess what we did? We would go shopping together, and she would only buy what both of us looked at and both of us liked. Now, I mean, she can put on anything, and it looks good. But in the very beginning, those are the sensitive things that you She didn't get offended. Ah, 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 ah. You don't like the Yes, I don't like the way you dress because that dress is not you. And a man wants to feel good about the way his wife looks. So she will not wear anything that I don't like and vice versa. So one of the rules or the things in my house is I'll come out the closet and I hear you wearing that. Nope. Because <laughs> I will come out the house with some stupid stuff on. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> somebody, somebody saw me in public recently. They're like, yeah, you're right. You tell the truth from the pulpit. You look crazy. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I mean, I just took the attitude that, you know, I don't have to look at me, he does. Once I leave the mirror, that's it. I don't see me unless I go back to the mirror. So I was okay with changing my hair, my makeup, my clothes. It didn't matter because I don't have to look at me, and I want him to be pleased about what he sees. Yes, everybody say amen. That was just the attitude that I took. Yes. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it's my hair. I work hard. This my, these are my clothes. I didn't take that attitude. I was like, well, if you don't like it, let's, let's, you know. He said, are you willing to change? Yes, I am. You willing to buy me some new clothes? Yes, I am. Let's go. Let's go. I'll give it to all of these clothes and all the shoes. I will clear out my closet. Let's go. Whatever. <laughs> all right, let's finish this last one to finish the story of Esther. This is the story of a young girl who how she became queen. Mamukin answered the king and his nobles. Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also every noble and citizen throughout your empire. This was dangerous about leadership. Women everywhere will begin to despise their husbands when they learn that Queen Vashti has refused to appear before the king. Before the day is out, <laughs> this is a trip, the wives of all the king's nobles throughout Persia and Media will hear what the queen did and will start treating their husbands the same way. There will be no end to their contempt and anger. So if it pleases the king, we suggest that you issue a written decree and law of the Persians and Medes that cannot be revoked. It should order that Queen Vashti be forever banished from the presence of King Xerxes and that the king should choose another queen more worthy than she. And when this decree is published throughout the king's vast empire, husbands everywhere, <laughs> whatever their rank, will receive proper respect from their wives. This, ladies, this sounds like some mess men would come up with, doesn't it? <laughs> no, we got to shut this down. It shows you how there are people that are going to watch you and determine what to do based on how you carry yourself. I have to be totally honest with you. There have been, now my wife will tell you I'm a good husband. I'm not a perfect guy. I'm still working on certain things myself. But there have been times I have been in public and I have seen a couple and I've seen a man do something for his wife and I took a mental note. I need to do that for my wife. I've seen men do certain things for their children. I'm like, man, I got to get on top of being a better father. See, you don't, people, they'll never give you the kudos in public, but they watch you and they make a mental note to become a better person. So when you be, when you are a great wife to your husband and a great husband to your wife, we were at a steak and a, what is it, you in this microphone? Oh, I'm sorry. You, we, where were we at? What's the steak place? Longhorn. Yeah, Longhorn. And there was a man there with his family and and, uh, and we just noticed that the wife, she had a little baby in her lap. And the husband got up. They were there with all of the relatives. But the husband got up, stood behind his wife like this, and just cut up her steak for her. And I was mesmerized by it. Now, I do the same stuff for my wife, but it didn't matter. I was just looking at, wow, that's such a good example to watch a man serve his wife that way. And she was just at peace. And you could tell this is something that he does on a regular basis. Rather than he sit down with his meal, he is going in. Yeah. And she's struggling with the baby. I don't send the baby trying on the leg. The baby is crying. Mm -hmm. No, you're supposed to help her, you know, because you don't have no idea how much it... First of all, the woman carried the baby for nine months. Her hormones are off. Okay? Her, her weight is off. Her mood, everything. See, she's, she's preaching more than me because she knows. And so, I lived it through Yeah, six, I, yeah six I realize times. that. Sometimes it might mean you got to take that... You ever seen a lady that got tired of the baby and just put... Put the baby in the man's hair. It's your baby today. But I'm just the point that I'm making is people are watching you, and you can influence people for bad or for good based on your behavior. 
and you can encourage people for greatness. There will be people, there will be men who will change how they treat their wives because of how they saw you treat yours in public. And you'll never know that that person made an adjustment because of how you carry yourself normally. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, and if Esther 2, 9, as a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, here we go, was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Haggai's care. Haggai was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu. Ladies, watch what you eat. Well, men too, but you know what I'm saying. He's a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids specially chosen from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Now, he was doing all of this for her. These were the ladies that just had to prepare themselves to see the king in a year. Esther 2.12, before each woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments. Six months with oil of myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ointments. What in the world is that like? Some ladies won't even wash their face in the morning. And these dudes... Beauty treatments for 12 months? You just soak in oil. Most ladies can't even get a massage today. You got to soak in oil and perfumes for a whole year just to present yourself to the king. That is crazy. That's, I mean, good grief. Y'all getting ready to spend time together, you can't. You faint when she walks in the room just to smell and knock you out. I mean, I know a man that his wife was like that. I won't mention his name because of the sensitivity of things. He passed on now. But he said his wife, that's something, don't take the wrong attitude, ladies. We all have to come up. But he said his wife got up every morning before he did so that when he woke up, he saw beautiful. When that woman died, he never recovered. Even though he ended up temporarily meeting, marrying a younger woman. And she was, a, she was a wonderful woman. She's gone on to be married again. You know, but he said temporarily because he also died. Yeah, because he also died. Thank you for adding that. And but even when he was married to that young woman, he was married to a younger woman and still was not over the older wife. That's how godly relationships are supposed to be, where, like I always say, if two masters get married, it's gonna be a problem because it's about you. But if two slaves get married, the slaves are trying to outdo each other. And if we can just simply get the husband to be a slave to his wife and the wife to a slave to her husband, then you all will make it all the way to the end. But most people get married based on selfishness and they don't even know they're being selfishness. They don't, I'm sorry. They don't even know they're being selfish. And so I'm just giving you examples of as you go back into the word and see how things were done. And this is what I mean by a man. The king was looking for a new wife. And what they did was they begin to work with the women to become treasures so that the king could pick which one that he wanted. And so sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm in a position of both. Oh, thank God. No more scriptures. Well, I'll read this one. First Peter 3, 4. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. A woman should be beautiful on the inside and on the outside. Do not compare yourself to another woman. Be as beautiful as you can be. And, as, and when you become as beautiful as you can be, you will be more beautiful than any other woman. 
When a man sees you, he sees you. And when the Lord opens his eyes, it's an amazing thing. But typically, these are the things. Those are just minor things um, in this regard. And, um, and so Esther had to carry herself in such a way where she was prepared with her character and she was prepared with her outside look. That is something that women tend to be offended with at times. But you can't change that. The same way, man, you can be offended all you want with the fact that women love to talk. Your offense will not cause them to talk less. It doesn't. The Bible says for a woman to dwell, I'm sorry, for a man to dwell with his wife according to knowledge. In other words, you're going to need to study more and learn more and understand more in order to make your wife happy. With men, it's very simple. So the little stupid books you see at the grocery store, 39 Ways to Please a Man, that was not written by a man. That was written by a woman. That was half crazy. You want to add something? No. Okay. So these are some basics here. Esther was of excellent character, and she prepared herself for the king. Okay. And so as long as we, how many of you know in society, this is where I close, things are not getting better. They're getting worse. The divorce rate is not going down. It's going up. When you look around you, you know, I was telling uh, the things that are going on in society. I've said this before about the minister I was talking to, and they're in jails talking to young men at the age of 20 who don't even know who Jesus is. Can't reject him because I never heard of him before. School teacher, teaching a class, 30 students. None of the students have even seen a marriage. This generation is growing up seeing everything wrong, and the problem with that is when you see it wrong, you think it's right. It's normal. And guess what, God's, guess what God needs? He needs people who are going to say, I'm going to reject the world and be a godly standard. Okay? And let me say something. Because the world does not like conviction. The Bible says that the darkness hates the light because the light automatically exposes darkness. Okay? So, but, but you're going to have to get used to as a single person. You haven't had sex yet? What's wrong with you? The world has a bad habit of making people who live right seem wrong. There's something wrong with you if you don't drink and smoke weed and party and do drugs. There's something wrong with you if you're still a virgin at the age of 30. There's something wrong with you if you're not married yet. There's something wrong if you've been married for five years and you don't have kids yet. Every single person that is unqualified is always in your personal Kool-Aid. Every time we had a kid, when is number two coming? Two. When is number three coming? And then they got to use scripture. You know, three is the number of perfection. Then they got to add it to, you pregnant again? You pregnant again? You, you pregnant again? <laughs> Baby number four. You got to have five because of the number of grace. When we stop to six, you know you got to do one more because seven is God's number. I don't care what God's number is. When we're ready to stop having babies, we're going to stop having babies. And I, I used to tell people, I'll have a baby when you have one. Y'all, you got to, there's only one person that you got to please. God, I should say to God and your spouse. If you don't want to have more children, don't have more children. If you want to have more, have more. If you want to adopt, adopt. But keep people out of your business and only get your wisdom from people that have a measure of success. They don't have to be perfect because people have a bad habit of giving you their opinion. And everybody has an opinion. If God created relationships, it means they work a particular way. 
And if you don't work it that particular way, it won't work. And right now, there are a lot of relationships that if you can see it in the spirit, it's held together with band-aids and coat wire. It's just broken. And like I said, it goes from like to love to a business arrangement to we need to be together because we can't survive alone. And that is not God's will. This thing was supposed to be so wonderful that everyone would envy to be married. But I know lots of single men that they look at the marriages of Christian men and they, won't have, they don't want to have anything to do with marriage. Zero. And so we have to change that. And, and, and the only way, to be honest with you, the only way for you to actually change that is to live the rest of your life with an extremely healthy fear of God. It's the only way. Okay? It's not hard for me to do the things that I do for my family. Yes, yeah, sometimes I feel like a straight-up slave from Moses' days, 400 years. I, mean, I just, I'm like, because the stuff that I do sir, for my... Sir, calm down, okay? <laughs> I mean, the stuff that I... And, and you're going to feel that way sometimes. I serve my family. Get tired of driving all over the place. Feel like I've been around the planet several times already. And then help my wife with stuff. And, you know, but, but you know why I continue doing that? One day. I'm going to stand before the Lord. People have no concept of what eternity is. Eternity. And so many people are giving up their eternity to be stupid and dumb in the arena called time. And time seems like an eternity until it ends. Then you got to step into something. And Jesus says, okay, now you got to live forever. Let's see how you're going to live based on how you treated your husband based on how you treated your wife. I said that you were supposed to love your wife the same way that Jesus Christ loves the church. So let's do a comparison between how Jesus loves the church and how you love your wife. I'm not standing before the Lord and he said, sir, you've lost a lot of your award because of how you treated your wife. And because of how you treated your wife, your sons then treated their wives the same way. This is my last statement because I feel something kicking on. Remember this. For you all that have children, your daughters are going to marry their father and your sons are going to marry their mom. Because that's what they see as normal. And that's what will be attracted to them. Okay? So I'm not concerned about being the best father all the time, even though I'm trying to improve that. I'm not trying to be concerned about being the best husband, even though I'm trying to improve that. I'm not concerned about even trying to be the best pastor, even though I'm doing that. I'm trying to concern myself with being the best person. Because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The example is the man follows Christ and the woman follows the husband as he follows the Christ and the children will automatically line up. You understand what I'm saying? All right, that's enough. So that was the appetizer. So next week, we're probably going to start with the man. Now, ladies, it's light today. Don't let it be a packed house next weekend because we're talking about the men. And then the following weekend, it's just men in the building. We're starting with the man because he was created first. He was held given responsibilities first. So we're first going to talk about the five things that uh, determine if he is husband worthy. And then guess what, men? You need to be here and invite your friends so that you can know what to work on while you're single. Because let me tell you something, these five things that you need to understand about marrying a man 
if he's not doing them, it doesn't mean he's bad. It just means it's dangerous. I didn't walk into some of this stuff when I married my wife, but it was a risk. And you don't want to enter into a relationship when things are risky. You want to be as sure as you can. This is a long distance marathon. So you want to make sure that you are properly hydrated, properly energized. You got the right gym shoes. You want to make sure you are tight in the beginning because there are a lot, Renee will tell you, there are a lot of strange hallucinations that happen when you run a marathon. A lot of things pop into your mind. There's a section of the marathon where they will tell you, and married people, you can attest to this. It's 12-14, so I'm about to finish this, okay? How many of you know, when you, when you run a marathon, there's a section of the marathon where every step you take, you want to stop running. It's, it's a section of that marathon where you, every fiber of your being tells you to give up, and you just got to keep on going the same way that there's a bad spot in your marriage, and you want to get a divorce, you want to leave, you want to separate, but you just got to keep on going. But in a marathon, there's also something they call the second win where you feel so good, it seems like you could run forever. You can't get the second to the second win until you press past the trouble spot. Some marriages have given up too early. It might mean you have to wait like 10 years like the couple she talked about. Let me see. Okay, so, all right. Seemed like time tricked me and jumped 20 minutes overnight. Then let on, you were just talking too long. In the words of the courtroom, let us all stand. Hallelujah. How many of you know, whether you're single, married, divorced, widow, you at least need to learn this for your children and your grandchildren so you can steer them in the right direction. Don't go out with that boy anymore. Leave that girl alone. Always remember this. Ungodly people have no problem messing up their lives. But when they want to settle down, they come looking for godly people. Because they know the godly people have been trained to be submissive in a relationship. Godly people have been trained to do the right thing. A raggedy woman still wants a wonderful man because she knows he's supposed to do the right thing. That's why ungodly people will quote scripture to you. What well, doesn't your Bible say? It does, but you don't read it, so why are you quoting it? You, you know, it's, 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 a, just a, it's a straight war out here. And you got to protect yourself and whoever you're going to commit to, you got to value them. You got to value the men. Men are made to see beauty. Men love beautiful women. Just because you see a woman that's beautiful doesn't mean that because you looked at her, you're the devil. But you have to say, you know what? That's a wonderful flower, but I'm committed to another one. Women, you're going to see fine all day long. Doesn't mean that you're supposed to partake of that fine. You're going to see that. You have to be committed to somebody and realize that these are fleeting things that pass all day long. Okay, I have a finally bought that truck, but I still see other vehicles that I would like. They look nice. Corvettes, Lamborghinis, Cadillac Escalades, different vehicles, Range Rovers. But I picked that one. So I need to commit, be committed to that. You understand what I'm saying? And you have to, you have to, before you enter into any relationship, you got to be committed to this person to say, if this, could I stay with this individual if I get nothing from them? If they get in a car accident and lose their legs, can I still be committed to them for honor's sake? Not because I need to see beauty. I'm willing to now be without to serve this individual. And when I stand before the king of kings, I will wish I could have done it all, all over again. That's the revelation that you have to have in a relationship. If not, you've opened up the, your door 
the door to your mind to great deception. Great deception. So let's lift our hands. Lift our hands. Thank you, Lord God. Blessed be your holy name. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we lift our hands to you, O Lord God, we ask, O Lord Father, that you would forgive us. Forgive us for the things we knew but did not do. Forgive us for the things that we know but do not practice. Forgive us, O Lord God, for the things we've done just out of sheer and pure ignorance. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed because of what they do not know. The most important decision we could ever make is Jesus Christ. And it comes with a manual 66 books long. Yet the second most important decision we make is relationships. And nobody is trained and no one reads a book. So we ask, oh Lord God, that this would be a season of great revelation and insight for this month. We're talking about the word but what the word says about relationships so that moving forward, marriages that are good will become better. Marriages that are bad will become good. Relationships, oh Lord God, that are not right will be broken so that they can receive the best that you have for them. Thank you, oh Lord God, that even those who feel lonely, oh Father, will receive a peace in this season to know that they are not alone. There is a difference between being alone and by yourself. Thank you, O Lord God. For those that desire to be married, we pray, O Lord God, that you would answer their cry and their desire for marriage. For those that have no desire to be married, that you would strengthen them with the grace to serve Jesus Christ completely and fully. Thank you, O Lord God. Thank you for breaking cycles, for breaking the spirit of religion, for breaking tradition, for breaking fear. Thank you, O Lord God, that there will be freedom in our marriages I thank you Lord God that there will be discipline in those that date help oh Lord God us to come to a place where what the word says is true they will recognize us the worldly people they will recognize us by our love they will recognize us because as we date for those that are single that date they will see the love because of the respect and the honor that we give each other during the dating process they will see the way the husbands love their wives and they will see the way that the wives treat their husbands and they will desire oh lord god to know you because of our godly relationships let there be healing let there be grace let there be promotion oh lord god and let there be love and freedom in all that we do we bless and honor you oh lord god thank you father god for these things in jesus name go ahead and lift your hands and give god thanks and praise Blessed be your holy name, O Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, O Father. Blessed be your holy name, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, O Father God. For you all that have vision boards, you should be putting down on that vision board what you want out of a spouse or you should be praying over your spouse the things that you want to see. I'm going to say this slightly strong word, and then we're going to dismiss. If there's anybody that you want to get right with God, you want to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, you want to give your life to Christ, you don't know what that means, that's very important. You are hopeless without Jesus. I have money. You are hopeless without Jesus. There are things coming very soon where money will not make a difference. It is only those that are connected to the Holy Ghost that will be able to survive. Let me say something. 
we live in a very toxic culture nowadays. And I'm saying this, it seems to only apply to one person. Could be here, it could be online. If you're dating a man and he listens to this, and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is that pastor doesn't know what he's talking about, realize that you're dating Satan. Not Satan, literally. Someone who has more of a satanic nature. When a man wants to control you, and 50% in my personal life, period. But I have to protect people. It used to be women. Now it's also men because there are many women that are more like witches and vultures today, especially for married men. There are some women, they have a demonic anointing on them that when they see a married man, I must take him down as a feather that's in my hat, as a trophy that's on my wall to prove that godly relationships cannot work. And I don't care if you're newly married or old, old your, your marriage is, is older. There's always someone that has their sights set on you. It is very unfortunate. This is more of a woman thing than men, but you see it with men also, how women are willing to wreck their entire life connected to a man that does not love and serve God. Period. They would rather be with a guy that doesn't want to do it right than to get rid of that guy. Because remember, whatever you reject, you get the opposite. When, the guy, when my wife rejected that guy, she got a guy like me. When that other girl, she actually rejected me, but it was still rejection, and I went for it. And I, she, she actually told me, when you get your act together, come back. So, but I was crushed for a day. Then my eyes opened. I decided I don't need to go back. I rejected that, and then I got this. So if you have a lower-level man or a lower-level woman, and they don't want to come up like you, you have to reject them. And then God will give you somebody. Ah, Jesus. You might be on level three right now. And because you are on level three, you can only attract someone that's on the same level. And maybe God wants you to get rid of that individual because they will never come up. You get rid of that individual. You separate yourself. And then you start working on yourself. And maybe as a result of you working on yourself for a year, you then come up to level seven. And because you come up to level seven, now by spiritual law, God has to send you a man on that level. Sometimes you have to cut back in order to go further. It is better for you to cut back and be by yourself for a season so that the rest of your life can be wonderful. Then you stay with an individual that you know in your heart. You got to beg them to act right, do right, and come up. And you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. And it's that break. Some people, they just can't sacrifice. They just can't trust God. That means you don't have a relationship with him. That's pretty much not anything God would ask me to do that I wouldn't do. I might struggle for a second. Ooh, I got to brace myself for this one. But if you don't have a relationship with God, you can't trust him. You got to trust in your own ability. I don't believe that my father loves me enough to send me someone good in the future if I get rid of the bad right now. That's a terrible position to be in because number one, it's a lie. And that's why the scripture talks about men and women in the last days who would live a lie. You were connected to this person and you had this particular life, but because you would not cut them off and wait for a great person, you lived a whole lie for your entire life. I don't even like to think about what would happen if I did not marry my wife. I'm just being totally honest with you. I don't even like to think about it. But then some of you, you married somebody and you thought that way too. And now they're no longer in your life. Guess what? Exercise faith. You're single again. 
act like you're 18. Get yourself together. Work out. Read books. Ask. You got to work on what you're waiting on. God can't send you a million dollars and you don't have a bank account that's open. You got to prepare for what it is that you want. To just say, I want a good man to take care of me. It doesn't happen that way. You got to be what you're asking for. That's a word for somebody. Good men want to be taken care of too. Good men want to be taken care of too. So get your act together while you wait. You are worth the wait and so is he. You are Amen. worth the wait. You are worth the wait. Don't settle for what you don't want. Don't go to war with somebody that can't fight. It's too many people. A relationship is you entering the war with a partner on your arm. Do not go fight a war in this life with somebody that if you get wounded, doesn't even know how to dress a wound. You get sick, they don't even know how to pray. They're going to call their mom. I need you to pray for my wife right now. No, you pray and get your wife healed from cancer. Oh, I don't have a relationship with God like that. And she was willing to connect herself to a man that can't fight. He knows how to have sex. He knows how to play video games. And he knows how to stay on social media. But he can't fight. We're already in war. And great wars are coming. Natural and spiritual. There is stuff that's getting ready to come into this planet. And you're going to have to brace yourself. Brace yourself. Somebody told me the other day at the barbershop. No, I wasn't at the barbershop. They said, did you know that the Euphrates River had dried up? I was like, what? I went and looked it up. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You know, the Euphrates River drying up is one of the major things that happens before the Battle of Armageddon. <laughs> so my grandma said, keep playing, son. Keep playing. Because the game is almost over. All right, y'all good? I know I kept y'all long, but it's stuff that was deposited on the inside of you that's worth more than time itself. All right. So remember, oh, go ahead. One simple more thing. Yeah. My, my last word for that is to resist the temptation. When Tuesday rolls around, resist the temptation to feel bad because it's Valentine's Day. Resist oh. that. Resist it. Resist it. Because even with me saying it, it's going to come. Resist it. You are worth the wait. You are worth the wait. You are worth the wait. It's one day in time. Out of 365, it's one day. It's one day. One day that people created to make money off of your emotions. Y'all deal with Valentine's Day. We come from Detroit where they did Sweetest Day. Who created Sweetest Day? Hallmark. Hallmark. Thank you. <laughs> Hallmark sitting up. How can we get money out of them? Let's create another day called Sweetest Day. And you upset the press. Because Hallmark tried to get some money out of you. Man, please, you better watch Looney Tunes that day and do something. All right, let's lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. For everything that we have heard on today, it was a lot, but the Holy Spirit is the one who brings it to our remembrance. Thank you, O Lord God. Let there be light on the inside of every single person that is here. Let us all be great lights in these last days. Help us to repent, rep improve, and to do great things. Relationships mean everything, and it's everything in the kingdom of God. Yet it's the one thing that seemingly has the most failure in planet Earth. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for helping us to be great lights in this world. To please not only you, but for us to have joy and to be examples to others. 
I thank you, O Lord God, for doing these things. May the peace of God go with every single person on today. Bless them and give them favor and keep them safe. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen, amen. All right, before we dismiss, just if you're a first-time visitor, come introduce yourself to us for a moment. And if you have any desire for prayer in regards to salvation, you want to rededicate your life to Christ, or you have questions about salvation, to make sure that you're saved, please come down front and we'll have a minister talk to you privately. God bless you. Hey, this is Otha with Lionheart Church. I just want to thank you for tuning in to the broadcast on today. And there may be someone out there that on today you find yourself in need of salvation or rededication or you may not be sure that you are saved. The Bible says these things are written so that you may know. So before I pray with you, I'd like to go over a couple of scriptures. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you would believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, you would accept that, say that in the form of a prayer, you wouldn't be saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that salvation is not something that you can work for, but it is a gift of God to be received freely. And then my favorite is 1 John 1, 9. It says that if you would confess your sins, God would be faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So that's what the word says on that matter. So if you'd like to get in on this prayer for one of those three things that I mentioned, uh, wherever you are, if you're in your car, whether you're in your living room or in a place, um, just go ahead and just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I accept what your son Jesus did for me on the cross. I thank you for his blood that washes away all of my sins. I receive forgiveness, I receive cleansing, and I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me, cleansing me, and making me righteous. Thank you for making me a member of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, congratulations if you prayed that prayer. I just want to say a prayer over you now, Father, in Jesus' name. Anyone that prayed that prayer on today, I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will, that you would restore unto them anything that the devil has stolen from them. I thank you, Lord, that you would surround them with comfort and safety and protection, and that you would bring them, O oh Lord God, into the perfect knowledge of your will for their lives. Thank you, Lord God, for doing this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Hey, if you have any questions, just reach out to us at lionheartchurch.org. We can help speed up your spiritual growth. And once again, God bless you and be blessed.